This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free at 855-453. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site there completely free, so enjoy those on us. Once again, freetalklive.com. And here with you tonight, it's Ian. JJ. And Mark. All right, so 855 855- 450 free allows you to bring up whatever you want. Lots in the news uh, tonight. We're going to talk about prison, whether it's necessary. Uh, JJ, you're going to tell us more about that. Also on the way, a lifetime driving ban for a teenager. And to start things out, Pat Robertson is on the issue on the right side. I mean, like the correct, not right as in right, left, but the correct side again on legalization. Didn't he talk about this last year at one point? Didn't he... wasn't he quoted as as being in favor of drug legalization? I, I do believe I've I recall that from the uh, at least last year or, or two years ago. Yeah, and now he's back out there again. Uh, so I guess the feedback that he received from maybe his parishioners uh, or whatever you call them, the followers, maybe it wasn't negative. Maybe you know they backed him up on this. Maybe that's maybe that's why is, he's come out. How long has Pat Robertson been doing what he's doing as far as his show? Longer than we've been alive. Yeah, he's old. He's so, eighty one. So he's been at this for a while. He's had a lot of time to think about what he's saying and and just sort of process society, if you will, as he talks about it in his presentation or whatever it is. He must be getting feedback from the people that watch him. I mean, he's the host of the 700 Club, which is a fairly uh, popular among the Christian world, especially the evangelical uh, world, fairly popular television show. I think that I think it's even spawned off in its, its whole, you know, 24-hour channel or something like that. I mean, I don't follow the Christian TV world very closely. But if you are, if you consider yourself a Christian, you've probably heard of Pat Robertson before. And the guy's a pretty big name. I can't imagine too many people haven't. I mean, didn't he, uh, isn't he the, the fellow that said that uh, New Orleans was hit uh, by Hurricane Katrina because of the gay folks? Oh, yeah. He yeah. tends to come out and say outrageous okay. things like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, mean, I, don't make, I don't want to make it sound like I'm a fan of Pat Robertson. But when you're right, you're right. And uh, Pat Robertson's right about this one. According to uh, the Associated Press in Richmond, Virginia, religious broadcaster Pat Robertson says marijuana should be legalized and treated like alcohol because the government's war on drugs has failed. The outspoken evangelical Christian and host of the 700 Club on the Virginia Beach-based Christian Broadcasting Network that he founded said the war on drugs is costing taxpayers billions of dollars. And that people, in his opinion, should not be sent to prison for marijuana possession. And that bi- those billions could be sent to me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, whatever. <laughs> the 81-year-old first became a self-proclaimed hero of the hippie culture in 2010 when he called for the ending of mar- uh, mandatory prison sentences for marijuana possession convictions. He says, I just think it's shocking how many of these young people wind up in prison and they get turned into hardcore criminals because they had possession of a very small amount of a controlled substance. He said this on his show last week, the 700 Club. He said the whole thing is crazy. I'd like to give uh, an, an anecdote here. Um, the When I was in prison, I, I was there for eight and a half years, for those that uh, don't uh, listen to the show on a regular basis. When I went to prison... I was taught relatively quickly how to hotwire a car. I was in the auto mechanics class, and mm-hmm. you know, there's another 30 in, uh, convicts in that class with me, and they're like, oh, yeah, you do this, this, and this. If it's a Ford, you do that. If it's a Dodge, you do that. <laughs> I don't think I could pull it off now. And remember, this was 1989 uh, when, I, when I got my lesson in stealing cars, but uh, you know, it, it was taught to me re- immediately. And relatively quickly, some other guy, I remember sitting out on, the, on some steps, and he was showing you how to properly storm 
the steps of a bank and then how to demand money from the tellers and in order to not get caught and you know obviously this is in prison so you need to take uh, take right. these lessons with a grain of salt exactly. it doesn't change the fact that they were giving lessons though and people that make mistakes tend to learn things about what it is they've uh, made mistakes so chances are that bank robber was probably a better bank robber than he was at the very least when he started so it's not uncommon, this story that you're telling, Mark. A lot of people, when they get into prison, they make more connections in the criminal sure. underworld than they ever, ever would have. Right. You know, I mean, right now, I'm sure if I had to, I could come up with somebody from prison that would do some kind of deed if I needed a, a dirty deed done cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've got a, I've got a, I was in there for eight and a half years, met thousands and thousands of convicts. I'm sure I could come up with a couple that, many that might came through there. Well, oh. they would have to, wouldn't they? I mean, the place had 1,200 people, if, as I recall. Okay. Um, you know, I had to have met. Well, I, okay, met might not be the right term. Encountered. But, encountered, um, you know, but I certainly met a thousand convicts. Yeah. Surely there's a handful of them that are out of prison. And, uh, you know, some of them would be willing to do something. I don't know. The whole thing is crazy, says Pat Robertson. We've said, well, we're conservatives. We're tough on crime. That's baloney, he says. Robertson's support for legalizing pot appeared in a New York Times story published on Thursday. His spokesman confirmed to the Associated Press that Robertson supports legalization with regulation. Robertson was not made available for an interview. He was quoted by the newspaper saying, I really believe we should treat marijuana the way we treat beverage alcohol. If people can go into a liquor store and buy a bottle of alcohol and drink it at home legally, then why do we say that the use of this other substance is somehow criminal? Robertson says he absolutely supports ballot measures in Colorado and Washington state that would allow people older than 21 to possess a small amount of marijuana and allow for commercial pot sales. Both measures, if passed by voters, would place the states at odds with federal law, which bans marijuana use of all kinds. While he supports the measures, he said he would not campaign for them and was not encouraging people to use narcotics in any way, shape, or form. Just stick with Jesus, folks. There's That's no right. need for any of the rest of this uh, stuff over here. We'll get you high on the Lord. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, look, obviously that's the stand he's going to take. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I I applaud the guy for coming out and saying, yeah, we shouldn't be, you know, yes. shouldn't make this stuff that I don't support illegal. There's lots of things out there that I don't support that I just don't think should be legal. And I think that he's being consistent in this way. You know, I'd be willing to bet that Jesus toked I mean, with that long wow. hair construction worker. I mean, come on. How many construction workers have you known that haven't smoked pot? What evidence do you, does anyone have that Jesus was a carpenter? <laughs> I thought he was. I thought that's what the, the story was. He was the son of a carpenter. Um, but yeah, but he was. So stu- he didn't do anything. Studying like, in the temple at twelve. I mean, uh, chances are that he was. Uh, if by carpenter you mean he made bongs out of wood. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't even know if marijuana existed uh, at that time. I have no really? idea. I could. You, I could not you speak don't think to marijuana it. existed? I don't know. I couldn't speak years to it. Ago? Couldn't speak to it. Have oh, no sorry. idea. That's that's pretty silly. That's a silly <laughs> I have thing no, to say. No, no idea whether or not they were smoking marijuana. And uh, you know Israel at that time. He says I'm not a crusader. He uh, said I've never used marijuana and I don't intend to. But it's just one of those things that I think the war on drugs just hasn't succeeded. In a statement on Thursday, Ethan Nadelman from the Drug Policy Alliance said Robertson's clearly he's been on the show, right? Has he? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Clearly stated and well-reasoned comments throw a curveball into the growing debate over legalizing marijuana. He said defenders of marijuana prohibition must be wondering if it's only a matter of time before theirs proves to be a lost cause. I mean, if you're losing voices like Pat Robertson, who you presume would have been on the side of prohibition maybe 20 years ago, then uh, really, I mean, how much time does prohibition have left? If someone like Pat Robertson can see the light on this issue, so to speak, then... 
Really? Are we that close? Are we close? No, it's it's changing that, this. I think it's really good because, as you said, Pat has said a lot of crazy sort of religious backed. Oh, he's uh, crazy as yeah, right. But the fact that he's he's more reasonable, or, or at least maybe in his mind, he's he's come to a place where he's more forgiving of things that he doesn't personally accept. Mm, that's great. you know he's taken well, that teaching of Jesus and he's taken it to heart. And at least on this issue. At least, yeah, at least on this <laughs> issue. Now, the gays, I'm sorry, there's no saving you it, from Pat Roberts. It could very well be that higher. he came to this conclusion from a utilitarian standpoint. It sounds like what he's speaking to. I mean, uh, he says... He says it's a failure. Well, he, he says it's a failure. But at the same time, he says, well, why should one be illegal and the other one shouldn't? Well, there's that, but he also and, says that he doesn't want to see young people locked up yep, over yep, this. And that's yep. a compassionate standpoint. It is. You're, you're right. So 16 states, by the way, in Federal, uh, District of Columbia have legalized the medical use of marijuana. 14 states also have some kind of marijuana decriminalization law. And New Hampshire, by the way, uh, just uh, the state house just passed marijuana decriminalization, uh, though it still has to go through the Senate. And so it remains to be seen whether that will actually make it through. But that's a little well, bit of good if news. If you do a, a search on Google for you just put a war on drugs has failed and you just do a new search, you're going to come up with at least right now what I'm looking at. Former police captain speaks to students on failed drug war. Biden uh, Biden talks about it in Latin America. Cops take pro-legalization message to the U.N. War on drugs meeting. I mean, the cops are speaking out against it all over the news. Law enforcement against prohibition. When I was in jail, there was a jail guard who had a law enforcement against prohibition pin on. There's more than one jail guard at the local uh, corrections facility that support ending the war on drugs. 855-450-FREE. You can take control of the airwaves. Talk about uh, Pat Robertson coming out against uh, against drug prohibition or bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. All you have to do is dial in toll-free 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. We give you the features there completely free. So enjoy those archives going all the way back to late 2006. Give them all away at freetalklive.com. So head over there and enjoy them. Bitcoin's the world's first potentially anonymous digital cash. They're Cash for the internet, just and they can be used in you know many many parallels between regular cash that you use in real life and uh, you know how it's used and bitcoins and how they're used on the internet. With bitcoins, there are no contracts to sign, no terms of service to abide by. Anyone can download the free Bitcoin software and be using them in just a few minutes. With bitcoins, you can spend, send and receive money with no fees anywhere in the world without needing permission from any bank or government. To learn how, visit weusecoins.org. It's weusecoins.org. And now, thanks to bitinstant.com, you can have bitcoins less than an hour by depositing cash at any major bank. To buy your bitcoins with cash, visit bitinstant.com. All right, let's continue here. Uh, the news that we brought the show to to, uh, to you here, we brought to you here is about uh, Pat Robertson. He is, uh, has come out yet again, and even stronger than before. Uh, he's come out against 
prohibition, specifically talking about marijuana. But he does make the blanket statement here that uh, that he believes the war on drugs has failed. Now, that's the whole war on drugs right? when you say something like that. But he's focusing on marijuana well, is, and, uh, for, for obvious reasons. Yeah, I think it's it's socially – it's a lot easier to talk about the war on drugs from the standpoint of marijuana without coming off like you support crack. Exactly. And also, another thing that uh, you know, I, I think that the police departments understand, but the average person doesn't understand, um, and this is a reality. I mean, you know, some people some people want to keep it a hush a hush secret, but fact is, the war on drugs is a war on marijuana. Marijuana finances the war on drugs. You know, I mean, to some extent, certainly, you know, of these hundreds of billions, if not trillions, of dollars that have been spent to prosecute the war on drugs um, by Americans' tax dollars, but to some extent, it's the seizures of people who really have had their property seized over marijuana, the fines paid by people who have been possessing marijuana. If marijuana were made legal, I mean, I don't really, you know, it, as legal as tomato plants, mm-hmm. um, then. I don't know whether I don't even know what the war on drugs would look like. Well, I mean, they would still likely have resources to focus on the other drugs, but you're right; it is a huge chunk. It's about half of the people that are arrested every year arrested for pot. Uh, so it's tremendous. I mean, over eight hundred eighty something percent of them are possession. possession right? Yeah, over eight hundred thousand Americans are arrested every single year for this. So and that number pe- keeps going up. The war on drugs: forty percent of the casualties, uh, you know, in in that circumstance are just possession of marijuana. Wait, I if think it was eighty percent. Oh, you mean the whole? Yes. Gotcha. So uh, 855-450-FREE, that's the toll-free number here. You're certainly welcome to comment. Uh, Christian advocacy group Focus on the Family opposes legalization for medical or recreational use. Now, this is a different Christian group. So you got Pat Robertson. Dobson fellow. Uh, yeah, James Dobson is, I think, one of their one of their guys. But Pat Robertson, who is uh, the host of the 700 Club and involved with the Christian Broadcasting Network, the founder of that network, has come out against prohibition. Focus on the family opposes legalization for medical and recreational use, according to their uh, senior director of government and public policy. Well, but they would can, not comment specifically on what Robertson said. So you can oppose, uh, you know, the use of these things uh, recreationally. That's one thing. It doesn't mean. That you're, you think that they should be illegal. Oh, that's what they said. Right. They oppose legalization for medical okay. or recreational use. Okay, oppose legalization. So across Sorry. the board, they don't want anybody to put their hands on a plant that presumably, it's I mean, not by, very their Christian. Own, by their own belief system that presumably God would have put here. Yeah, right? it's not very Christian. Does the Bible the say Pharisees that- wanted to use the law in order to force people to do things. Jesus came to set you free. Well, here's a, I mean, kind of on topic, there's an article here I, I've, I found about Portugal who... Ten years mm-hmm. after they decriminalized, their drug abuse is down by half. Mm-hmm. Significant. Right. And this is the, something that, you know, it's Crimes really count, too. counterintuitive yep. to what people think about drugs. And, you yeah. know, probably I wouldn't have thought this either. But really, Portugal legalizes drugs and use diminishes. Yep. Let me say it again. Portugal legalizes drugs and use diminishes. You're lying. Right. I mean, you know, the, there, there are people out there right now that are either turning off their radios or choosing not to believe what we have to say. And they, it's because they don't care. It doesn't affect them. Well, I'll tell you what. You've got friends. You've got family. This war on, drug affects, war on drugs affects them. If you're not going to be, uh, if you're not going to be generous and merciful to complete strangers, do it for your family and friends. Do it for a selfish reason. 
So there you go. Uh, if you want to learn more about it, I guess the New York Times has a more detailed piece. Uh, we will go to you and your thoughts. You can bring up anything that you want. But I think this is a great sign. Pat Robertson, people who are, you know, just historically, they've been on the, the wrong side of this issue, are changing their minds. And that's that's great that people, especially somebody, you know, he's 81 years old. He's probably had his mind set a certain way for a long time on this issue. And he's, he's well, able I think to, the polls, too, are very supportive for legalization at of the Americans? very minimum. Yeah, the, yeah. the American polls have shifted. No doubt about it. So yes, we'll keep our eyes it, on you know, this. Every year it goes up and up and up. And it makes you wonder how long can the government, whether it's federal, right. state, or local, that make so much money, the bureaucrats and politicians that keep their power based on uh, the, the you know this war on drugs, the police, which support it because they hate the Fourth Amendment, they hate the Constitution, it makes it more difficult for them to, the, to do their jobs. You know, it makes you wonder how, how long? long can they keep it up? Does they'll, it, they'll go 60, as long as they can. 60% of the population says no more. 70% of the population, 75% of the population. It makes Politics it- tends to trail far behind yep. popular opinion. Let's go to Elena in Georgia. Listening in Atlanta, you're on Free Talk Live. Elena, what's on your mind tonight? Elena in Georgia? Going once. Elena in Georgia. Hello? I hear somebody on their phone. Someone there. One going once, going twice. I'll put her on hold. Maybe she had to put the phone down. Let's try Matt listening in Ohio instead. Matt, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hey, guys. Hey. I just had uh, two quick questions because um, I was considering moving, uh, joining the Free State Project, moving up there. And you guys had said that you were uh, believed in, in nonviolence and the extreme. And I was curious in a situation like, uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the uh, Gulag Archipelago. You know, I know the ta- uh, the term. Is it uh, Solzhenitsyn? Yes. Okay. When you talked about, oh, how we burned in the camps later, talking about if they would have resisted that they wouldn't have all gotten rounded up. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just curious if if there was a situation like that when they actually started rounding up people, if you would still believe that that would be a time to be peaceful. And then I have one other question. Okay, we'll hold the other was, question. We'll, uh, well, let's answer the let first Let me one. field uh, that one first. I, I think every, everybody okay. here is going to have a different opinion on this. As far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter whether or not the person is wearing silly uniforms, dumb hats, and badges. If they're committing violence against you, they're committing violence against you, and you have the right, you are in the right to resist. Now, that doesn't mean that I think that it is expedient. I think that in, you know, it largely is expedient to fi- uh, inexpedient to fight against authority, whether that authority, you know, quote-unquote authority, whether that authority is in the form of the military, as, uh, you know, it's going on with Syria, or whether it's in the, the form of uh, police, as, well, you know, frankly, the whole world. Um, you know, so I think that it's really about expedience versus inexpedience, and we'll have to talk about it a little more. More coming up in a moment at 855-450-FREE. You can take control of Free Talk Live. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. (laughs) 
This is Free Talk Live. Toll free number here for you is 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. 1-855-450-3733. Here tonight, it's Ian. JJ. And Mark. Inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com. Shrine of Female Listeners is there with dozens of ladies who have taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing their listeners of this program. You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com to see them. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Uh, so plenty to uh, talk about here tonight. Your calls are the primary element. We will continue with those. And so we've got Matt on the line who had a, a question that I think is a pretty important question because a lot of people who understand that you know, there's some pretty serious problems uh, happening in this country and around the world also understand that in the history of uh, mankind, problems tend to, at least in a lot of people's beliefs, be solved through violence. And I don't tend to agree with that particular viewpoint. I think that certainly that is the way things have been, but I don't think that ultimately problems are solved for good by violence. I tend to think that violence begets violence, and so I'm pretty uncomfortable about the idea of using any violence whatsoever. Uh, And Mark, uh, the question that Matt had asked was uh, and Matt is back with us here in Ohio. Matt, let me see if I can re- re- uh, recount your question here. Let me know if I've got it uh, incorrect. But essentially, your question was uh, referring to uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who said that you know, had we met them at the the front doors with uh, clubs and whatever, that you know, that the, this terrible thing would never have happened uh, to us. So the the suggestion being, had we been violent in our response to this violence, that uh, perhaps things would have changed for the better. Uh, is that pretty much right, your question? Exactly. And Mark, yeah. Yeah. Your, your response was. And, and my response is that I don't have a problem with people resisting violence, and it doesn't matter to me what for, form the violence comes in. Now, I think that there's an inexpedience aspect to it, and let me address what Alexander Solzhenitsyn said in this particular instance. It's wrong. Here's why because they didn't. They came to the door. There are only three or four people in the house, maybe maybe three or four people that can wield clubs, sticks, or guns in the house. And there are three or four people with radios outside. You're not meeting the peasant population. The, the KGB isn't meeting the peasant population on the field of battle. They're doing it door to door. They go one person at a time. And... I'm looking around and, you know, the United States incarcerates more people than any other place on the planet. And one can make the argument more than uh, Russia did at the time of Stalin. I don't you know, I don't know for certain. I'd love to see the numbers, but one could probably make that that claim. And they're not meeting anyone at the door over the war on drugs. And that's really the aspect of it is nobody uh, you've got this what they call a market failure that it is inexpedient for me to fight them at my door because nobody's going to come to aid me. So therefore, I am going to go along with it. And that's how it's going to be with everybody. So the idea that you're going to you know rally together the troops if the government just gets tyrannical enough, it's pretty unlikely. So. JJ, did you want to address the question? Well, I, I think uh, personally, I I haven't in the past. I've defended myself against bullies and uh, situations like that. I don't know. I mean, it, it it's sort of like the apocalypse question, and it's it's a difficult sort of hypothetical to answer because all the variables aren't really known. If someone comes to my door with you know a whole armed group of guys, I I can't see myself uh, doing anything but dying if I resist. I mean, that's just the plain truth. 
Well, isn't that the unspoken uh, assumption in the question, the idea, the sort of the fantasy of the prep, uh, the prepper, shall we say, the person yeah. who's, who's arming up, they've got their you know guns, they've got their grenades, their body armor, whatever, they're ready to go, they're ready to go out with a blast. Their fantasy is that everyone, or at least enough people, will resist, they will fight back, and so therefore... That eventually, that uh, you know, they and we, you would know whoever would win. What the results of being taken away from your door are going to be? You know, I mean, it's not an arrest. Remember, the KGB came and arrested people, mm-hmm. and then they gave them quote unquote trials after they tortured them. And, and right, they didn't take the Jews straight to the ovens either. Right. These right. things, you know, it, it, everybody, we have the advantage of hindsight when it comes to the gulags and when it comes to now, uh, concentration camps. If it's a case where uh, there, there's buses uh, and they've been going to other cities and they, they pick up people and the people disappear and never heard from again, that's a different situation. If you have that sort of foreknowledge. And the Internet's nice for that, right? Exactly. There's more communication now. And I'm not hearing a lot about American citizens disappearing yet. And then, you know, I mean, if, if and I don't expect to. But I think, Mark, your your position is realistic. It's unrealistic to believe that people are going to in mass resist uh, because they don't want to individually. Each person doesn't want to lose their own life. They aren't willing to essentially be the first few sacrificial lambs. How's to- it going for the Muslims? I mean, you know, people people around the world believe that not, not everybody, but certainly enough people around the world and in the United States and in the Middle East believe that the Muslims are being treated poorly in the Middle East by the United States. And you can see, you know, one after another, uh, you know, the FBI is picking up people that are upset about it. There's no mass rising of the Muslims, and they have far more to complain about. Well, and that's a good point, Mark. I'm glad you brought that up, because if you think about uh, some of them are doing what, you know, what would be suggested here in, in Matt's question. Some of them are fighting back, right? I mean, you've got suicide there was a Ron bombings. Paul, there's a Ron Paul supporter that was just picked up, I think it was in Jersey, throwing Molotov cocktails into a Jewish temple. So, I mean... But I mean, over in the Middle East, you've got people suicide bombing, and it, it hasn't dissuaded the U.S. military right. from being there. Right, so the point being that even with a fairly large amount of people who are willing to kill themselves, uh, it's still you know the violence hasn't solved the problem. It just continues it to stoke solve the, the fire. Right. So I would have to say that I, I you know I have to lean away from using violence. I mean, it, it seems wrong to to say, well, I'm just going to allow myself to be taken. I don't know. I I guess I'd rather turn a gun on myself in a situation like that than uh, not to say I would, but if I were if I had to pull a trigger, I'd rather pull it on myself because then they wouldn't be able to you know accuse me of being some crazed cop killer. Right, and villain, villainize you in the eyes of so many other people. They're going to villainize you anyway. If they well, come I mean, for they you, villain- if they come for you, yeah. there's going to be a charge, and that charge in in an America where two thirds of people that take a felony charge to trial and fewer than one percent of people do, um, you know that that you know they're found guilty. Well, you know people believe charges. You're in. You're guilty until proven innocent in these days. So if they come to you with a charge of you know uh, you know what you know trying to riot or whatever the term is, incitement to riot, or they you know, just trump something up completely, or you know, in your case, you know, some drug charges, or trump something up completely, like child porn. Whatever, people are going to believe it. People uh, like Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. These folks that have been held up for good reason for being, uh, you know, examples of nonviolent civil resistance, if you want to use those terms. These are folks who, you know, would they be remembered if they? did get violent because you know they were tempted right there were people constantly suggesting violence as uh, as a solution to the problems that they were facing because i mean the the police were being violent uh some of the opposition were were being violent and Lots so them, yeah. inevitably there's always going to be somebody there whispering to you that you should try you should just arm up fight back don't let them push you around plus and they're it's ready very for tempt- it it's very tempting and, but it? they didn't do it and, right. and what would have happened if they had what would have happened to their movements 
they would have been discredited and, and seen as as the problem. And, We've been talking the whole segment, so Matt, uh, go ahead with your uh, your thoughts and response. Yeah, I, I, it was one of those things I just really didn't have an answer to, and I, I was curious as you know to to hear your opinions, and I still don't have an answer to it. It's one of those things that I was pondering and didn't really you know have a good answer. It was kind of like the discussion. There's no right answer for that. Yeah, Matt. You know, I can let me let me share a little bit of what it was like living in Sarasota, Florida. There was no chance of a liberty-oriented candidate getting elected to anything there. Um, you know, I helped with uh, you know one campaign, and you know, I didn't it, I didn't even need to work very hard to see the the handwriting on the wall as far as local government went. And I'm sure you're feeling that way too. I was angry and angry a lot, like teeth gritting, imagining violent scenarios kind of angry. You know, like I would, uh, you know, what if I was home alone or something like that? I might, uh, you know, f- fantasize about some scenario. And before I know it, I'm, you know, jumping up and, and you know, f- punching at the air. Oh, my. I mean, you know, that's that's the kind of anger we're talking about here. And I don't, I'm not going to ask you to be, uh, you know, reveal embarrassing things about yourself. But I, I hope you can relate to how angry I was at times. And, well, not, not not to that extreme, but yeah, you know, <laughs> frustrated I mean, frustrated more, frustrated. F- yeah, uh, fantasy violence, kind of uh, angry in my case. And when I moved to New Hampshire for the Free State Project and got surrounded by a bunch of liberty-oriented individuals, I can't say that that anger disappeared, but it dissipated. It is it continu- continuing yeah. to dissipate? Yeah, or? well, you know, I mean, yeah. it's it's a much lower level. Matt, I know you said you had a second question. We'll let you stick for that one moment here. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can tell us your story about how maybe you used to believe that violence was a solution, and then maybe you changed your mind. Or, like or you believe si- violence is a solution. Free Talk Live. Here on Free Talk Live, we've been pretty excited about the Bitcoin. It's a decentralized, free market digital currency. You can learn more about it at weusecoins.com. But if you already have some Bitcoins and you'd like to spend them, you can spend them at SpendBitcoins.com. When you spend Bitcoins on Amazon via SpendBitcoins.com, Free Talk Live gets a cut. Or if you're an Australian trying to figure out how to buy Bitcoins, you can buy them with cash at au.SpendBitcoins.com. Once again, that's SpendBitcoins.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want, toll-free, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we have for you there. You can can enjoy them all on the house, but if you want to help support the show, you can shop with us. Go to shop.freetalklive.com, enter Amazon through the shopping links you'll see there, different Amazons for different countries. Click in the right Amazon for you and get your shopping taken care of. Get the stuff you're looking for and get a great deal. It's the Amazon you're used to. You're just entering through our portal over at shop.freetalklive.com. Once again, shop.freetalklive.com. We've got Matt back with us. He's got a second question, uh, so we did hold you through for that. Go ahead, Matt, with the uh, question number two. Hey, I really, really do appreciate it. Um, from listening to you guys and everything, I was really considering Keene. The Keene area seemed really, really like uh, might be a good fit for me. But due to the, the Fukushima thing, I decided maybe I should look up to see if there's any power plants there. And then I found out Vermont Yankees, like, 
15 miles as the crow flies away, and then I read about there's some leaks, and then the cooling tower fell down and all of that. And I was just curious if you guys had any concerns about that. You know, uh, mitigable concerns. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked to some people that are, you know, currently and formerly, uh, you know, involved in, in Vermont Yankee. And, you know, I mean, obviously, I don't like the idea of tritium being leached into the the Connecticut River. But frankly, um, you know, we're not getting our water from there anyway. The uh, And also... Remember, poison's in the dose. Uh, we, we're exposed to radiation all day, every day, and um, you know the sunlight. You know, the fact is, you're giving off radiation right now. So, I mean, you know, there's that. I don't know. I mean, is there any incident? Is is there any example of place of people having more incidences of illness? Living near some well, nuclear I think the, power plant. I think the, the concern for most people, Mark, would be that uh, some sort of meltdown is going to happen, and then uh, Keene and the, the other surrounding areas, the Brattleboro, Vermont area, will be affected because we're within that I don't know plume radius or whatever you what whatever are you, you call do? it. I think is that basically where your your fears were coming from, or your concerns, Matt? It was about a potential uh, for uh, a, a nuclear disaster. Well, it's that you know if if the plant had a perfect maintenance record and there was never any examples of issues but from what i've read they had a cooling tower collapse and yep. multiple leaks and that, yes. that's more yeah i guess the in the big picture but it just sounds like it's kind of a shoddy operation i, I think to some extent it is uh, but i also think that the activists here are just more uh, on the ball and that you find out about more things like uh, leaks then there's a good group of people that are very uh, not so fans of the uh, the local nuclear plant right. in this area and oh I've yeah it's both, huge i've met people on both sides of it and i like i you know I've, I've liked them all i've met people that work at the uh, nuclear facility and i've met people that oppose the existence of the nuclear facility in my uh, travels in the area so uh you know i don't really think about it, it too much but uh, i understand the concerns that some people have and if that's something that keeps you away it's something that keeps you away uh if you do end up moving here that could be a form of activism that you get involved in if that's something that uh, lots of people that would know, be uh, you know interested in having you. concerns you so matt thanks for the call tonight appreciate it 855-450-FREE that's the SACL cai toll free line 1-855-450-3733 william is in dallas you're on free talk live with the njj and mark hi njj and mark hey, what's um, on your mind yeah yeah, I was going to say, it's interesting you are talking about the violence thing. i just seen a uh, thing on the news tonight <clears throat> talking about the sovereign citizen movement. Oh, boy. And they, yeah, well, they played a couple of clips and you know, violence, you know, a guy shooting cops and That's other right. things. And, they always play that and, same one. They've yeah. got basically two incidences of uh, sovereign citizens are acting up. Now? I think it was two. There was one up in Alaska where there's some threats and there's some, they've got some audio yeah, and nobody things like got, that. Nobody got killed up there. Right, right. Yeah, it might have even been three, but but anyway, the you know, of course, they made it like the whole sovereign citizen was connected to all that, and of course, you know, everybody sees, oh my God, those sovereign citizens, sovereign citizens are killing people. That's bad, and they look like horrible people. Sure. Yep. So, and and that was just on twenty minutes ago, and so that just firms up your point that. If you go out in a bang, all you're going to do is appear to be some crazy lunatic. So, 
and, and you're absolutely right on that. I'm glad you brought this conversation back around because it allows me to make a point that I, I didn't earlier, and that is that the the viewpoint of the advocate for violence, whether they be uh, whether this person really believes what they're saying or whether they be a, a government plant or an agent provocateur, that viewpoint suggests that well, if only people would stand up, then things would change because the government would be uh, you know they'd be rebuffed and they would think twice before they went and struck somewhere. So the, so like the theory being, if they started going house by house, as you'd said, Mark, if they're going house by house and people resisted, the first people would die, right? They would they would die because they're outnumbered. The cops outnumbered them. But eventually the idea, the fantasy is that uh, enough people will stand up and resist to where the cops will decide this isn't worth it. We're taking too many casualties. We're going to call it quits. Now, of course, as I point, as Mark, you pointed out, we haven't seen that happen in Afghanistan. There's plenty of people willing to kill themselves there for their for their cause. And, you know, the violence continues. But let's just say it were true. Either way, either way, whether you remain peaceful or whether you uh, or whether you fight back violently, the people in the beginning are likely going to perish, right? Like in a in a situation where people are going to be going house to house collecting folks, uh, you know, you may end up dying down the line in some sort of gulag or in some kind of camp, or you can die right there uh, with with you know trading gunfire. Only only one of those positions, William. I'm going to put you on hold here. It sounds like you're busy. Uh, I'm only one of those positions. <laughs> Uh, is going to result in you looking crazy. Only one of those positions right. is going to at result... At least you get to speak. If you're in prison, at least you can say, hey, I was innocent. Granted, I'll grant you that in today's you know modern American culture, nobody believes you. But at the very least, you can say it. Well, and, and the people have made it out of these prisons and concentration camps, and they've lived to tell their tale, and they, they've lived to testify against individuals who have been doing the wrong thing and running these camps or, or following orders. And see to it that certain individuals have gotten uh, at least quasi-justice, uh, whatever can be achieved in this sort of society. But at the same time, like both of you are saying, violence is is a very profound event. Mm-hmm. And when people talk about this event, it's going to strike a lot of emotions within the, the listener or the the viewer. And they're going to probably think negative of you and anyone associated with you. Because of that violence. If you're going to be sacrificed for some cause, then doing it on a peaceful manner keeps you on the moral high ground. If you use violence, you've lowered yourself to the level of the aggressor to some extent, uh, simply by using the same tool that they have chosen to use against you to defend yourself. Whereas if you remain peaceful, and perhaps the only thing you're wielding is a video camera that is streaming live to the internet... Then at the very least, you can say that uh, you didn't go out with a bang, but you went out with, you know, while making an impact on the legitimacy of the people who are using the violence against you. Because if it's the people calling themselves the state that are the ones that are the only ones using violence, then it's not hard for people to understand who the good guy is and who the bad guy is. Also, if violence is what it needs to come to, you have established the moral high ground, as the uh, activists did in Syria, as they did in Libya. Um, I mean, there was a certain amount of protest in Libya before Gaddafi started shooting at people. And so, you know, people will understand why after several days of protest or something like that, people start shooting back. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, it's necessarily I don't know when the right time to use the violence is but i know it isn't today i tend to think that there is no real right time for it i i, I tend to believe that it's morally wrong to, uh, to utilize it but like you said mark we're going to disagree on things here so william you're back on go ahead with your thoughts yeah sorry about the noise and and, and the final thought on that is just the fact that <clears throat> all it does is justify them to get more bearcats and more uh, uh the drones and all mm-hmm. that good stuff 
Yep. We uh, we had a, a professor who authored a book on civil resistance on the show. We did an interview with her some months ago. And, you know, she sort of showed that statistically, A, uh, you know, civil resistance works more effectively than violent resistance. And B, that violent resistance is becoming less effective over time. And it makes perfectly good sense. Now that the police have all these, uh, you know, sort of uh, non-lethal weapons and they have all lethal weapons, they've got drones, they've got all the things that you don't have. And fighting them isn't going to work. Well, and they also have the the support from the social structure mm-hmm. that the they can use violence. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And With I, no penalty. There are lots of people out there that will support the police physically um, if it, if you know, they'll, they'll believe the news, they'll believe the stories, and if you resist violently, the police are going to get the, a posse behind them. So if you think that you're going to overrun the local police department because it's only 40 guys or whatever, well, I got news for you. William, thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. Uh, 855-450-FREE. So it's important to point out the third road. You kind of touched on it, Mark, with non mentioning nonviolent uh, civil resistance. And that's what the third road is because the, the presumption is, well, there's either one way or the other. You either go along with them and you do what they say or you use violence to resist them. And there's a third road. And the third road is that you don't do what they say. You don't voluntarily get on the trains. You don't voluntarily fill out the form that they use to come and confiscate you later on down the line. You don't voluntarily wear the yellow star. You don't voluntarily do what you're told. You don't show up in the cities when they demand that you show up and, and report to uh, you know the ghetto. You don't do those things. If more people were to non-violently resist or, or do civilly disobedient acts, non-cooperate, that's what would be the most effective way to oppose tyranny, in my opinion. Hour number two is next. You can share your thoughts at 855-450-FREE. I am so excited about Porkfest this year. Porkfest? What's that? It's the Porcupine Freedom Festival, a fun and educational camping event put on every summer by the Free State Project. This year it's going to be happening June 18th to the 24th at Rogers Campground in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Okay, I like camping and I definitely like freedom, but my budget is tight. Tickets are only $30 for the whole week if you get them before May 1st. Well, that sounds reasonable, but what goes on there? (laughs) What doesn't go on at Porkfest? There are speakers, family fun, dance parties, karaoke, a comedy roast, hiking, campfires, sports, a wedding, and all kinds of delicious food. But the part that I like best is spending time with other people who love freedom. Hmm, that's sounding pretty good to me. Where can I go to learn more? Check out Porkfest.com and make sure you spell pork like a porcupine. P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T dot com. Like what you see? Looks like a blast. Okay, I'm in. See you at Porkfest. While you're there, check out how you can become a VIP, very important porcupine, for a modest donation. See you at Porkfest. Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the program. You are invited to bring up whatever you want. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. You can enjoy the features that we give to you there. Uh, once again, freetalklive.com. Still to come, we got to talk about prison, whether it's worth even having them around. Uh, JJ's going to dig into that for us. And plus, Mark, you're going to tell us about a lifetime driving ban imposed on a teenager. So 855-450-FREE is the number. You can bring up anything you want. We'll start out with Todd, listening in Maine to WEGP in New Sweden. Hey, Todd. Hey, hey, I, I'm really happy to talk to you, and I was interested in your show. I, I, what I want to say is that, yes, our prisons and our, and our criminal justice 
system is totally draconian and and horrible, and the war on drugs is a is a big lie. It's a war on people. No doubt. I've never been arrested. I don't have any. I don't deal with drugs, but I think that it's a it's a war on people, and not a war on drugs. And we have to stop it and let people. And also, when you put people in prison for twenty five years for like say selling like you know a hundred marijuana plants or a bunch of methamphetamine. Yeah, maybe you have to control those people, but when you put them in prison with a bunch of assholes for like uh, 30 years without access to a woman and, and effectively force them to become homosexual or celibate, that's cruel and unusual punishment. Well, there, there are many reasons why going to, to, to prison is, is cruel and unusual, uh, but I definitely share some of your concerns, and you're absolutely right. It's a war on our friends. It's a war on our family members. It's a war on our neighbors. It's a war on our loved ones. It's a war on our coworkers. I mean, it's a war on our customers. This is the war on drugs affects everyone, whether they want to believe it or not, whether they want to live in this uh, fantasy realm wherein no one that they know could possibly use drugs. Well, sure, they drink alcohol, but that's different. You know, this, this uh, drug prohibi- prohibitionist fantasy realm. Absolutely. I, I know people, I've known people all through college, you know, you know, like uh, 10% or 5% of the kids were uh, dealing drugs, and most of them got away with it. You know, probably most of the people who get caught are, you know, you know, you know, for, you know, live in a, a city and, uh, you know, people of color. Or, Minorities, yeah. Or, oh, for sure. Or uh, economically deprived. Todd, thanks for the call and the thoughts tonight. I'm uh, with you there. Anything else you want to share? Yeah, I do. I want to say that everybody should boycott Bank of America on uh, March 15th because the, they, they, they're a bunch of they, they practice usury and abusive tactics against people. And America has to stand up against the banks. We should nationalize the banks. I think. Whoa, 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 whoa! Wait a minute. Now I definitely want you to stay on for a moment. Here. <laughs> Hold on a second. Bank yeah. of America is a problem because it is essentially a nationalized bank. I mean, they took money from the government. I mean, they, yeah, it's true to, to some extent that all banks are only extensions of the Federal Reserve System, and to that extent, they are sort of national in, yeah. a, in a way. But uh, but they are independently owned in some cases. Some banks are larger well, and more bureaucratic than others. I think you, the main yeah. point you hit on there is the the extension of the Federal Reserve. The most power they get comes from their ability to create money out of thin air their nine times their ability to lend out what they hold in fractional reserve, reserve yeah, banking i want to make it clear reserve. that i don't I, have I agree a- you're right they take that money from us they they get the money from what we call the government and the government is the people because we pay the taxes or we we, we provide the, the the collateral which is our good reputation well it works the other way the around the government gets its money from the federal reserve which is a private bank Right, and it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be better if you nationalized everything because then you'd have a government bank and that would be all you have. The answer is not to centralize and to nationalize, but the answer is to decentralize and to take away the Federal Reserve System and to allow anybody to operate a bank or a warehouse bank or or whatever sort of financial institution they want to without having to beg some central government gang's uh, permission to do so. Well, you can open a bank. There's no law. No, against you can't. A bank. I cannot You're go leaving. and open my own warehouse bank without jumping through all manner of federal regulations. It's completely illegal for me to open up my own bank. No, it's not. You, yeah, you do have to follow regulations. Yeah, well, then I mean, it's illegal like, for uh, me to open my own bank. If I have to do what some gang calling themselves the federal government says in order to take people's money and store it for them safely and perhaps lend some of it out, then I am not free to do those things <laughs> if I have to beg for permission, yeah. am I? Well, you know, you sound like to me like a libertarian. And, <laughs> well, I don't. And yeah, I wouldn't use that term for myself, sir. 
but uh, I, I used to define it that way. Well, what I think is, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm very much a radical individualist, and I appreciate people's ideas about being radical individuals. But what I would say is that if you live in ever, if, I don't know if you, if you live in New Hampshire. I don't know who it was that said on the radio they live in New Hampshire. I live up in northern Maine. I'm, I, you know, I live in the woods in a little cabin, mm-hmm. like uh, so, so, so I can I can go out and like. Uh, you know, with with a whiskey bottle on one hand and a pistol another, and and I don't have to. I can do what the fuck I want. Oh, we can't let you say that. We can't on the radio, do that. But thank you for the call. <laughs> Thanks. Really, uh, appreciate hearing from you there tonight. Eight five five four fifty free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line for those that are listening on the radio. He said he can do what the f he wants, uh, but obviously he can't get away with saying that on nationally regulated talk radio. Unfortunately, we have this pesky entity called the FCC, another extension of the criminal gang that we were talking about before. That's right. That gets to decide. What can and can't be said by people who hold I think he needs licenses. to understand that the Federal Reserve is a, a basically it's a cartel of certain bank and certain individuals who hold ownership over the Federal Reserve. It does not work for the United States government. It does not work for the people. It doesn't it isn't even owned by either of those two. So it's it's a completely private entity. Well, the um, you know, I mean, basically, the government uh, in the form of the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve Board is uh, populated by, you know, frankly, high up bankers. And, you know, the the idea that if you're going to nationalize all the banks, that somehow all the bankers will just be out on their ear picking that they'll be picking tomatoes down in Florida. No, no. The rich and powerful, if you nationalize the banks, are still going to be the ones in control of the banks. They'll just be nationalized by the government. Great. That's going to work just great. I mean, just think of all the other wonderful services the government provides us. I mean, tell me the one government service that has uh, been successful. I mean, I'm sorry. It sounds awful. If you think banking is bad today, just wait until the government takes control right. of every single bank, 100% sets all policy, sets everything about them. Yep. Crazy. That's a terrible idea. And uh, you know, competition I'm, is what makes for better customer service, and is what makes for innovation. Right. Unfortunately, we don't have open competition for the reasons that was cited. He th- he said I could just go ahead and open my bank. No, that's not true. There's an, an just an unending amount of regulations in order to open a bank through the system. Yes, which essentially is nationalism. The government lays down a bunch of rules, just like a business owner lays down a bunch of rules for his employees to follow. The government lays down a bunch of rules for the citizens to follow. And, you and know, if what's you the don't, difference? If you don't, men with guns are going to show up at your bank that you opened up, and they're going to take all your stuff from you. I've heard stories. Aren't, aren't the uh, banks partially nationalized anyway due to their uh, enrollment in the FDIC program? Right, you're required. To, to have the government's uh, insurance you. program, right. yeah. um, which, you know, of course. And then NCU, uh, NCUA or something like that for the credit union. Same thing, mm-hmm. yeah. Yep. So one uh, 855 free So we're in a situation where the banks are mostly nationalized. It's just that they still have the benefits of, of having individual owners and uh, different people being able to set slightly different policies about their companies. We don't have a one-size-fits-all across-the-board bank policy. So eight five five four fifty three. So you can still go and like you know find a checking account with different provisions on it at one bank versus another. For instance, I wanted at one point to find an account where there wasn't uh, interest on it. I didn't want an interest bearing account, uh, so I was able to find that at one bank, but they didn't have that at another bank. And uh, you know some banks have the monthly fees, some banks don't. These are you know some level of choice that people have in the marketplace. They'd have more they, if there weren't so many onerous regulations, right? And if it was national, then it would you would have no choice. And you, obviously, you people are concerned get. about uh, banks failing 
and people losing their money, no doubt. I'm sure that insurance companies will, uh, you know, back banks. Um, you know, the banks will tout why they're solvent. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, that's that's going to be things that people are concerned with. I'd be concerned with it. How solvent is my bank? So the reason why you can't be allowed to open your own warehouse bank, even if you do have the money, if you had the money to invest in a location and a safe and the security and you know all the things that you would need to, to really properly operate a, a bank location, uh, then you would still be at, at risk from the criminal gang known as the federal government. And we have heard stories. In fact, Wayne, who was a co-host on the show for a while, knew of a warehouse bank over in the West Coast, which was successful for a little while. I mean, people were depositing gold and money and all kinds of things in this uh, in this guy's warehouse bank and lo and behold you know word got to the feds and they showed up and they took all the stuff Just somebody pulled money for other people yep. 855-453 that's the SACL CAI toll free line if you have to beg permission to do something like run a bank then you're not free to do so more coming up it's free talk live Fallen Angel Toys is a tasteful company for adult desires and fetish fantasy. Thousands of items. Vibrators, literature, blindfolds, lubes, and more. Great for bachelorette parties or serious lifestylers. We're a family-owned business with new specials every week. Discreet packaging and shipping and safe, secure checkout through PayPal. Use code FDL at checkout for 25% off your first time. No minimum purchase required. That's FallenAngelToys.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free. 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. And you can enjoy the features we give to you there. The webcam is uh, in existence, and it is on. You can go and watch and listen to the show over at cam.freetalklive.com. In addition... You'll have access to the chat room, which is built into the same page as the webcam, all free, cam.freetalklive.com. At Free Talk Live, we, we talk about investing in gold or silver as a hedge against inflation or barter currency or an investment. Uh, you know, it may increase over time. I kind of think it's going to. Looks like the indicators that, uh, you know, I keep, I keep watch on and, you know, the experts that I listen to say it will. But you never know. Uh, gold.freetalklive.com is a great way to get gold and silver if you're, you know, interested in getting some. There's lots of gold purveyors out there and you need to price compare. You can't just go to one and expect that you're going to get a good deal and that you're going to get treated right. It's gold.freetalklive.com. The prices are right there. Uh, when you buy from gold.freetalklive.com, you support Free Talk Live. It's gold.freetalklive.com. So we've been talking about the war on drugs, Pat Robertson coming out advocating an end to marijuana prohibition, even coming out and speaking out against the war on drugs in general as a failure. And uh, it was pointed out in the first hour that one of the things that arresting drug users does is put them into close contact with real criminals, people that do know how to commit home invasions and robberies and other you know, breaking and enterings and car thefts and all manner of na- naughty, nasty things. Uh, and so putting them in close proximity is one of the, the real downsides of having this prison system that we have uh, and filling it with nonviolent, peaceful people, which, of course, is what most drug users are. They're just people that want to get high. Uh, they're not, At least they uh, were before they went to prison. Right. right. And so this is one of the downsides to having a prison around, but it's certainly not the only one. In fact, uh, JJ, you've got a piece about some you know, p- potential ideas 
to take us beyond the prison. Is that right? That's right. I, this article, uh, it's posted in The Economist, but it's originally from Newport News, Virginia, uh, that, that uh, I think their print edition of their newspaper. Please watch seven people sell drugs in Marshall Courts in Seven Oaks, two districts in southeastern Newport News in Virginia. They built strong cases against them. They shared the, that information with prosecutors, but then the police did something unusual. They sent seven letters inviting them to the police headquarters for a talk, promising that if they came, they would not be arrested. Three came, and when they did, they met not only police and prosecutors, but also family members, people from their communities, pastors from local churches, and representatives from social service agencies. Their neighbors and relatives told them that dealing drugs was hurting their families and communities. Police showed them the information they had gathered, and then they offered the seven a choice. Deal again, and we will prosecute you. Stop, and these people will help you turn your lives around. This approach is known as drug market intervention. It was first used in High Point, North Carolina in 2004, and since has been tried in more than 30 cities and counties. It is the brainchild of David Kennedy, a criminologist at John Jay College in New York, who thinks that, quote, the most troubled communities can survive the public health and family issues that come from even the highest levels of addiction. They can't survive the community impact that comes from with overt drug markets, unquote, by which he means markets that draw outsiders to the neighborhood. Once these are entrenched, a range of problems follow, not just drug use and sales, but open prostitutions, mugging, robberies, declining property values, and the loss of businesses and safe public spaces. Now, of course, we know that uh, when it comes to drug prohibition, the end of drug prohibition is the ideal, right? Is it to end this insanity, this insane war on drugs, to stop the prohibition of drugs and make it so that they can be, once again, purchased not on the streets, but at the local, uh, you know, the, the local Quickie Mart or the local Walgreens or... The drugstore, char- where they were purchased for, you know, the right. vast, the, the majority of this country's history Which, and the majority of the, the history of Earth. Which opening up the marketplace, uh, you know, to have legal drug sales means that the price can go down, the, the quality can go up, the uh, the drugs can come with usage recommendations, they can be manufactured in quality controlled conditions to where you know exactly what the doses are you're getting, keeping people alive, preventing overdose. I mean, there's so many reasons to end drug prohibition. So it sounds like these guys are still kind of working with inside the system paradigms here of, well, let's see how we can tweak the existing system to make things better. And you know, in the in the scheme of things, this does sound like an improvement. Not not jumping straight to an arrest, but instead kind of intervening. Uh, there's still that that threat of arrest hanging over their head, uh, which I don't. Again, I don't support putting people in cages who aren't hurting others. Right. Uh, but it's a different pro- a different approach, and I think that uh, there's some value here. Sure. The story goes on. Traditional drug policing targets both users and dealers. This poses three main problems. First, low level dealers are eminently replaceable. Arrest oh, two, yeah. and another two will quickly take their places with little, if any, interruption to sales. But we're right. As long as the profit incentive is there, and it is, as long as the drugs are going to be illegal, there's right. always going to be an immense profit built into this stuff. So they were talking in this about, uh, you know, how this professor b- basically said that uh, it's the, the problem for the community isn't drug use. The problem for the community is drug sales. Yes, the market. And you'd see the young people, the, the low-level dealers, they don't idolize drug users. They idolize drug dealers. sellers. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, they're going to want to step up. And and this is unlike other communities where – because the drug sellers are the ones that are doing well in their community. They've got the nice cars. they are you know, have got the uh, the attention from the, you know, whatever romantic partners they want the attention mm-hmm. from. They have, you know, they have whatever it is that uh, you know, people in these communities 
want for themselves. So unlike other communities where people have lots of uh, lots of people to look up to and that are doing well and that kind of thing, they in in these communities where drug sellers are the only ones that they can look up to, that's what the young people expect to do. Second, it tends to promote antagonism between the police and the mostly poor communities where drug markets are found. Oh yeah. Arrests can seem random. Only one in every 15,000 cocaine transactions, for instance, results in prison time, but those other 14,999 sales are just as illegal as that one. In some neighborhood, prison is the norm. Or oh, at least- yeah. I, you know, I was in prison in Florida uh, for eight and a half years, and I can tell you that, you know, I mean, there were a lot of minorities that would go go to prison, and they'd have relatives in the prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, they they expectation that they'd see their cousin or brother or whomever there, not not uncommon. Yeah, that's, that's and certainly really sad. friends from the neighborhood. Right, and it does alienate people from the police, and for good reason. They're aggressing against peaceful people. They're arresting people's brothers and sisters and, and friends and family members, and uh, you know, people take that personal. I mean, right. some people like to say that politics isn't personal, but I'm sorry. It absolutely is. You're, you're affecting people's lives here. Yep. Prison is a norm, or at least common, for young men. Police see, come to be seen as people who take sons, brothers, and fathers away while the neighborhood sure. remains unchanged. What else? What else would they be perceived as? Right. I, I, I mean, how many? How many the police, enemy. How many police officers believe that they're making? They're actually making the community any safer when they take somebody know. to jail? Can they really? Can they really believe that? Well, it's it's, it's sort of like that whole uh, religious mentality of I perform this ritual, so right. I must be holy. Mm. Yeah, it's, they got you know, it's like on. the placebo effect. I took this guy off the streets. The streets must be safe. That's what they told me at uh, you know college, right? Or that's what they told me in training class. Yeah, exactly. Third, prison as a deterrent does not work. If it did, America would be the safest country on earth. Right. Look at all the people in prison. Well, the, you know, the people that make that argument would likely say to you, "Well, look, by you know, incarceration rates are up and violent crime is down. So maybe it is working." Toll-free number here is 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up what you want. But uh, the At people they're cost? incarcerating, the people they're incarcerating aren't violent people. At the what people cost? they're incarcerating are, are a significant amount of them yeah. are completely peaceful. It's true. So 1-855-450-FREE. Your thoughts are welcome. Bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. Do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience? Free Talk Live is a nationally syndicated radio program on more than 100 radio stations coast to coast. We've been named Talkers Magazine's Heavy 100 list. That's the 100 most important radio talk shows in the nation thrice. And five times the best political podcast from podcastawards.com. You can have access to our more than 100 radio stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for less than $1,000 a month. Contact me, Mark, at freetalklive.com. Talk Live, and you can bring up what you want. Toll free number here, 855-450-FREE. That number is brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 1-855-450-3733, and we invite you to our website. You can go and get signed up for our news updates. Follow us via email, Twitter, Facebook, whichever way it works best for you. All of it is free, of course, at news.freetalklive.com. And keep peace on top. Antiwar.com needs your support. They're running their fund drive right now, and you can double your donation value with matching funds from an anonymous donor. Uh, just 
Please give to antiwar.com's pledge drive. The antiwar.com is all you have to do is go to their website, antiwar.com slash donate, or you can call uh, 323-512-7095. It's 323-512-7095, antiwar.com slash donate. Please do it today. This is a great news organization that uh, really help, helps folks, and uh, it's brought to you by SACL CAI. SACL CAI, the, uh, Jason Osborne, his uh, donate his live read to anti-war he believes in it so strongly he's the one running pork fest this year exciting but yeah and uh, there's a specialty pork uh, fest t-shirt that you can see if you go to porkfest.com oh yeah yeah you go to porkfest.com the first little blog post thing if you click on that it uh let's see the title of it is uh, speaker news and exclusive t-shirt and you can see the uh the, well, it's, it's really nice it's red with the little ring around it the ring tee is what they call it and fancy it, yeah it's it's uh you know it's got one of his favorite things on it bacon it's porkfest.com okay nice. Uh, and by the way, uh, Porkfest, I believe registration is open for that. Yeah, and generally Porkfest means Porcupine Freedom Festival. In this case, he's kind of you know making himself a little uh, little um, you know pun there. Yeah, and the Porkfest site's a very nice site. Uh, we're there every single year, by the way, broadcasting live, and uh, always look forward to the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And it's coming up. I mean, it's June 18th through the 24th uh, this year. That's three months away. That's right. And JJ, and I know that you're busy putting together the uh, band schedule. That's right. Bands and comedy this oh, you're time doing, around. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I'm working with them again, and we hope to have a lot more comedy acts this time. The uh, feedback was very favorable, and I think this crowd is of intellectual-type individuals likes that sort of comedy factor. Absolutely. So uh, looking forward to it again. We'll tell you more about the Porcupine Freedom Festival as the event approaches, but uh, get you know get planning for this now because it's going to be here before you know it. Uh, and I've already heard that the hotel rooms and uh, the the cabins are sold out at yep. this point. Yep, they're sold so out. So if you want to stay in a hotel, you're going to have to stay down the road somewhere. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Can't mess around with Porkfest. you got to get it done. No, we've been talking about the uh, the idea of prison and how maybe it's not something that we want to turn to necessarily, uh, we meaning the uh, society uh, in which we live, uh, that we want to turn towards. Uh, because right now you've got a huge prison population in this country. And what's it really doing? It's mostly housing peaceful people. That's right. It's it's helping the prison industrial complex. That's giving true. a lot of people who you know unskilled labor uh, guaranteed jobs. I mean, you know, the, the, I'm, I'm not saying that everybody who's uh, you know works in the prison system's a dumb dumb. I was in the prison system for some time, and I can tell you, many guards are very sharp people. But I would say that a lot of them could be better, quote unquote, used by society in other roles. I think that there's a I think there's a place for prison, but I'm very interested in this uh, experiment that JJ is talking about. I think it's one thing to put violent people who are unapologetic and who are you know just socially completely antisocial and dangerous. I think it's one thing to put someone like that behind bars, and it's a whole different matter to put peaceful people there, people who've never harmed another human being. Maybe they've hurt themselves. Maybe they've maybe they've made their life less than it could have been through uh, through the use or abuse of drugs, but that's not. A problem that needs to be addressed by prison. That's, That's right. a personal tragedy. That's something that needs to be addressed by compassion. And yeah. you don't show compassion for human beings by locking them in a cage, period. So, I don't know, JJ, you said there's not much more to uh, this. Yeah, this that story. story is pretty much done. I have another one if you'd like. Or... I, I just wanted to speak to this uh, locking people in cages, um, you know, in, in prison. I noticed that uh, people get put in confinement on a pretty regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
you know, nicotine, it's out of your system in about 72 hours. They say that the, uh, that the, the nicotine addiction is broken in 21 days. The habit is broken. I saw plenty of people go to confinement for several days and often more several weeks. They the first thing that they're going to do when they get out get a smoke is going to get a smoke. You're not going to fix people from their addictions by locking them up. Well, that's useful to point out. I don't think we mentioned it before. Is that uh, the government can't even keep drugs out of its own prisons? That's right. So True it's more than just nicotine that's available in any prison. I remember sitting around the lunch table at uh, in jail with some guys who were in prison, and they were just you know they were just talking about all the different drugs that were available there. Well, just striking the roots, uh, the idea that certain drugs are okay and certain drugs are not is just laughable. And then who decides, you know, at what point do we uh, open our mind up to the idea that, well, a drug's a drug, why don't we treat everything the same? Why don't we have, you know, a standard that meets uh, the same standard for this as we do pot or, or alcohol or tobacco or caffeine? I think it's just ridiculous. Well, to right, pick if prison's so good for drug users, which clearly it's not, but if it were good, because obviously some people think they can solve a problem by putting someone in a cage, then why not? Let's just start locking up all the twenty-one year or the twenty-year-olds uh, who are drinking alcohol. I mean, prison—that's going to solve their, they make their lives better, if right? If he wants people to stop smoking cigarettes, just put them in jail. Well, I love the the question that Harry Brown used to ask uh, when some politician would come out and talk about, you know, admit to past usage of some sort of drug. So, like uh, Bill Clinton or George Bush or Barack Obama admitting to having used. I think it was pot. I think all of them have admitted to using uh, pot in the Bush past. Bush used Coke. It was Coke, right. Bush, Bush used Coke. Uh, you know, these these politicians admitting to drug use in the past, then saying, well, it was youthful indiscretion, and I'm, you know, I don't use those things anymore. But the question that Harry Brown used to ask was, well, would their lives have been better had they been caught by the police and then sent to, uh, you know, sent to jail? Would they, would, they have, would they have had more successful careers as a result of that? I, I was so in a youthful cool. friend or prison. Every one of those people was in there for a youthful indiscretion. Why is it okay for our presidents and leaders, if you want to use that term, why is not. it okay for them? No, it's not. So uh, we'll get to a little bit more here. JJ, you wanted to share uh, some international news of relevance about the uh, war on drugs. But first, we go to Billy on the East Coast. Billy, you're on Free Talk Live. With yes, JJ hello, Moore. hello. Hi, Billy. Thank you. Uh, very much enjoying your uh, your program. I've been broadcasting for about 12 years. Stumbled across you this night. Been listening for about 10 or 15 minutes. Very much like your energy. Uh, pretty smart fellas. Well, that's thanks, for, thanks sure. for that. Now, what's on your mind tonight? Cut right to the chase. Um, I'm uh, advocating tonight on your broadcast for a little boy. He's six years old. His name's Dylan. And he was... Uh, poisoned terminal illness by vaccinations. His mother proved it by going to uh, various foreign nations to have his uh, urine tested blood and proved that the vaccinations had 850 parts per million mercury, formaldehyde, aluminum, uh, mold fungus, uh, uh, all sorts of arsenic, all sorts of bad things. And of course, I believe that the vaccinations are an extension of abortion because they're putting these vaccinations in the mother while she's pregnant, and when the child is born, they're still putting it in. The vaccinations are, are extension of abortion. Now, that's a claim I've never heard before, and I'm no fan of the idea of vaccinations, but what do you mean by that? Well, um, uh, this woman, her name is Erica, and the little fella, her son, is, his name is Dylan. Uh, she has the proof, the, uh, uh, the legal aspects concerning vaccinations, but the medical science to back up the fact that these vaccinations that are given ignorantly 
And now the school systems in America are now having health clinics installed in the school system. And the children, of course, are being told uh, that, you know, they do not, they're emancipated. They well, can. Typically, you're not, typically, as, an, uh, as a parent, you're not able to put your child into government school unless they have certain vaccinations in a lot, in a lot of places. Uh, but you don't uh, really answer my mandatory. question. What, when you said it's like abortion or the, an extension of abortion, what are you suggesting? What's the there? parallel there? How do you get, to, how do you get uh, sort of logically from one place to another? All right. Well, first of all, let's touch on a thing about the schools. Uh, that's a big farce. What does that have to do with I'm sorry. I mean, I understand that you seem to have an agenda here, and, and that's fine. But is there a reason why you don't want to answer the question about a statement you made? No, sir. Listen, brother, I broadcast 200 hours a month on the radio. Sweet. Uh, I don't Congratulations. have an agenda here. Well, I, mean, I, I should hope you have an agenda. We all have agendas. All right, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you a chance to think about it here because I really want to know what you mean by that. When you say vaccinations are an extension of abortion. Is it just hyperbole? I mean, yeah. I really I want to know, you know, what do you mean? All right, we'll come back to Billy, 855-450-FREE, the toll-free number. You can bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phones, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Shop.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, get a great deal, and a portion of your purchase goes to benefit Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon via shop.freetalklive.com. is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything that you want toll-free at 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website as well over at freetalklive.com. Give you the features there on on the site. Uh, You may enjoy them at your leisure. And if you would like, you can help support the show by becoming an amplifier over at amp.freetalklive.com. AMP stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. And you can, with three bucks a month, help us get Free Talk Live onto more radio stations. Uh, got an agreement from a new station in Illinois coming soon. Uh, actually, coming in about a month's time. Uh, so I can't announce them quite yet, but I did get the agreement today. And it's thanks to listeners like you for becoming Free Talk Live amplifiers, getting behind the show, and helping us market Free Talk Live, get on more great stations. Uh, it was actually because we're marketing our show through uh, Talk Shows USA, which is this oh, kind sweet. of group of uh, it's essentially a, a guy that does affiliate relations, which is what I do during the daytime hours. Uh, I contact radio He's stations. Our affiliate relations ace in the hole. Yeah, he is like he's the guy who's been doing it for a long, long time. The experienced uh, gentleman, and uh, you know he knows people, and people know him. And he's been around the business for a while. To, so to have him kind of repping the show to some extent, even though he's not smiling and dialing, so to speak, he's not calling actively on stations on behalf of Free Talk Live. We kind of buy in at the lowest possible threshold that we we can to save as much money as possible. We we buy his goodwill. Uh, but yeah, he sends us leads when he gets interested uh, inquiries from stations and lists us on his website. And it's something we've been doing with him for a long time. And so we've been on his site for a long time. And so those program directors who are looking for looking at new shows, they come to this guy. They come to, to Skip. They come to our, our guy from Talk Shows USA. And uh, that's you know when he has the chance to pitch him Free Talk Live. Or they'll come to his website and they'll see us there. And the reason we're there with Skip is because of our Free Talk Live AMP program. It's because of Free Talk Live listeners like yourself sending in three bucks a month with any major credit card through PayPal or Visa or MasterCard right on our website. And that allows us to bring more radio stations on board, meaning more people finding 
the ideas of freedom. And open phones as well. You can bring up anything. 855-450-FREE. Once again, go to amp.freetalklive.com. Get on board and get perks too, like access to the AMP-only call-in lines, forum, uh, podcast, and more. We go back to Billy calling from the East Coast. Uh, Billy, uh, who says he is in broadcasting. And you kind of got that broadcast sound to your voice there, Billy. Uh, did, did I misunderstand you? Did you say you broadcast 200 hours a week? No, sir. I said 200 hours a month. Okay, per month. That, that's good. I just that's a lot sure. of broadcasting. You couldn't fit 200 hours in no, there very easily. No, you easily. certainly couldn't. <laughs> that was something so, that I wondered I, about. I, I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, a little bit fatigued, been going all day, but, you know, my heart, you, you know, there was a, a slight uh, aspect in my heart when I stumbled across you on the Genesis Communications Network, and that was, these gentlemen are bright, maybe we could put them on our network, and that was part of my... Uh, movement on you because you know I'm a bright person and I can you know the zebra knows the zebra. Hear you guys talking and I'm going. Well, this is pretty nice. They sound uh, they sound polite and as you mentioned about that fellow who looks for uh, you know affiliates, uh, they sound like gentlemen. Well, we're we're fine with our with our current network, but I mean we're always uh, you know people are are welcome to take Free Talk Live and run us on their network if that's something they want to do. We never tell someone no that they can't run the show. Uh, but mm-hmm. G- G- GCN is our syndicate, and they've been behind the show uh, from day one of our being syndicated. So we're, we're pretty happy, right? And right, life is good. Yeah, right where we are. But all that said, let's get back to the reason you were calling. You were calling because you wanted to talk about vaccines. There's a young man who in Dylan uh, Dylan uh, who is suffering some problems, which uh, you say can from the use of vaccines and there are a lot of people very concerned with vaccines in fact it's quite a debate uh, that goes on out there people uh, who are saying that this stuff is poison it's really bad news others saying that without vaccines we would all be dying of various different uh, maladies and so it's you know it's an interesting debate Uh, but you made a statement during you know what you were saying before that kind of I don't know it struck me awkward and I wanted to know more about it so I I still would like to know uh, when you say vaccines are sometimes the truth is awkward and well uh, you're, what you what, said was that vaccines are an extension of abortion and i'd like to know absolutely what you meant by sir that. because when when you take a vaccination that's innocently received by someone a mother that's pregnant and that vaccination has 850 parts per million of mercury which a small amount of mercury will just kill every nerve ending uh you know in your body in in matter of seconds um when you put it in someone and then you tell that mother to put it in the child after the child's born, and it can be latent in your body for a long time and then you know, manifest itself later as a very serious disease, this particular mother, her name is Erica, she has the legal proof as well as the medical proof, and she works with leading medical scientists for uh, uh, about four years now on this issue. Her son was born Is that a responsive answer? I'm sorry, guys. Are are you missing something? Well, I think his claim is not necessarily that it's abortion, but that it's a crime. If you you, uh, advise somebody to take something that is bad for them... Well, you know, Dylan Dylan was terminal. You know how many thousands of children are terminal from vaccinations? That's my point. I I don't. But what I'd like to point out here is... Well, then you don't want to know, son. You Uh, don't want to know. Excuse (laughs) me? Well, yes. well, we, yeah, you don't know how old I am. I don't I think you need to be hair. patronizing to me, sir. Let me sir. just tell you something here for just a second. You're not gentlemen. And you co- I came in here totally innocent. And what you do is you risk yourself, listeners, to get your head cut off. 
Excuse That's me? not polite American uh, radio. Well, what I, are you talking about? I, I think that you you uh, you made a statement, and we wanted you to back yes, up the statement. And the statement is pretty simple for a kindergartner to understand. No, no, I'm sorry, it doesn't I'm because it doesn't you, make any sense to me, Billy. Because oh, when you say it, huh? when you liken vaccinations to abortion, I think it's it completely is. two different worlds. When it you abor- is a type of are you suggesting? Brother, because Wait a minute, Listen, Billy. Are when, you suggesting that the people who vaccinate children are intending to harm them? The people who vaccinate children do not know what's in the vaccination necessarily. And, you know, it's very, very simple. They put it in the mother while the mother's pregnant. It goes in the child's body and it begins to become a latent issue. And after the child's born, it may manifest certain symptoms. It may be 20 Right. I, I, I understand the claims. We've talked about vaccinations before on this program. Mark, you, you haven't vaccinated your, your right, son, I, right? Right, absolutely. So, Billy, look, I think that this is, consider this coaching on the verbiage that you use. I mean, you know, if you if you jump out with something like abortion, it sounds, it sounds intentional. Um, it sounds like the mother's involved in some way. Most abortions are, uh, are committed with the mother's, uh, you know, with, with consent. her consent. So, you know, that if, if you use that term it's it, it screws with people that's all we're it's, saying right here, it's uh, definitely Billy. wanted to get you to but, but, answer but that my friends my friends understand understand my morals uh let's forget the mothers for a moment mm-hmm. I, I go to a higher spiritual level of understanding that there's forces that are causing uh death destruction so on and so forth and, Demons? and these these forces <laughs> that are in the banksters and in the whole you know, as you were talking about the FDIC and the whole monetary system, are there they, are evil forces. Are man. they demons? Well, of course they are. Excellent. Really? Are you serious? Really? Yes. Yes. You you mean that there? Are, you, you're not joshing me. You're serious about the whole demon thing. I can tell. I can tell exactly where you are in your understanding of life. I can yes, that's why you, you called me boy. See you later. 855-450-FREE. Call me your friend and call me boy. I don't know. That doesn't quite uh, jibe. Sonny is what he called you. Uh, um, whatever. Son, boy. <laughs> it's the same mentality, right? Well, you know, I, I, did, I did actually I he, son. I, I found some information sh- sh- son. about this. Son. Hey, hey watch it there. <laughs> I mean, come on. That did, uh, did you found something about Dylan here? Because yeah. I've looked up Dylan, Erica, Dylan vaccine, uh, 800, yes, 850 I can, parts. I can read this if you stop talking. Dylan <laughs> Uter is the, the, the boy's name. His mother's Erica. And, okay. Uh, so she did have the uh, the, the boy was, was vaccinated at 11 months old. And he ended up with a spinal condition, mm. a spinal, uh, spinal muscular atrophy and mercury poisoning. He ended up having him to Lima, Peru. To get some spa, uh, some uh, stem cell treatments. Oh man, and I've heard that you know, sixty minutes did a story on this recently, and a lot of these uh, South American stem cell research things. There's no stem cells in there. They're not. It's active. just bunk. Yeah, it's just bunk. Hmm. Wow. Their families spend tens of thousands of dollars to get this stuff done, and get nothing. That's terrible. It's terrible. So just to come back around to uh, the point there with the gentleman that called in a moment ago, Billy. Billy. 
yeah, I think I think your point was uh, solid, Mark. That we're trying to explain to him that maybe he would have a little bit of a better reception if he wouldn't use, uh, you know, to suggest that vaccination is somehow akin to uh, to abortion. I mean, we're a relatively receptive audience to this idea of vaccinations could be risky. Right? I don't like, much like vaccinations. Vaccinations myself. Me neither. I mean, I'm fortunate. I don't have a child. I don't have to make these decisions. But Mark, you've made the decision to not vaccinate. So right. I mean, you're you well, are a natural constituency to what this guy and, is and saying. And the sickest I've ever been two times in my life have been from flu vaccines. So yeah, you're, we're absolutely a natural constituency. Wanted him to clear up a statement. He didn't want to clear up the he statement. He danced around it. And, and that's all we were saying is, hey, you know, uh, let's let's be clear on what you're saying here. And, you know, being clear it's, it's very isn't intended. Char- yes, it's very it's, charged language to use the word abortion and then vaccine equals abortion. I mean, that's not even It's my job even to close. get to the truth. Right. And, and, and it's not even close that one is akin to the other. You know, abortion, you're intending to remove the fetus with vaccines. People are intending to help folks, you know, what they believe, help them feel better in the future and avoid uh, maladies and such. 855-450-FREE, the toll-free number. Bring up anything. Hour three's next. In the amazing universe of podcasts, one podcast stands alone in excellence of broadcasting and neurology is verbalsurgery.com that's right verbalsurgery.com get your brain in gear get it full speed ahead get it going right now baby because you are awesome 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 and this podcast when you listen to it you will feel better right now so go to verbalsurgery.com get with the program baby the program plenty of time for you and your thoughts if you dial in toll free to 1-855-450-3733 that's 855-450-FREE here tonight it's ian jj and mark inviting you to our website at freetalklive.com the site's free unlike a lot of those talk show hosts want to charge you for their website so we give it away you can actually control the content uh, you find something online you want to share with our listeners submit it as show prep others vote whether or not they like or dislike the most vote uh, voted up make it to the front page and the top of the site so go and see that get interactive over at freetalklive.com still to come here tonight uh formerly someone who was involved in the creation of mandatory minimums now speaking out against them. JJ is going to give us the details on that. Uh, of course, your calls are welcome as well. And if we get a chance, Mark, uh, you'll tell us about a lifetime driving ban uh, being issued against a teenage driver. But first, Chris is listening in Southern California. Chris, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, JJ, and Mark. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? It's, uh, it's my first time calling. I listen to you all the time. Welcome, I sir. Talk- yeah, nice to talk to you. I just wanted to talk about the way that we represent the liberty movement and Ron Paul's message. Um, okay. We all we all know, or we're all very knowledgeable compared to any other political movement, obviously. And we're all very passionate, and the passion's a great thing, and it can be contagious. But I just want to stress that when we're trying to help educate others, it's easy with our passion to get very overzealous and pushy. And uh, I have a lot of sales experience, and in sales they teach you that, that telling is is the least effective way of selling something. And in the end, what we're really doing is trying to sell Ron Paul and sell the liberty movement. So I'd like to stress that rather than trying to force the truth and the conclusions we've come to down people's throats, we need to kind of help direct them direct them to reality rather than force them by asking questions rather than 
rather than being as forceful as we can be. You see, I see on the internet a lot. A lot of us Ron Paul supporters can get just extremely fervent and passionate. And I just wanted to stress that sometimes asking questions can uh, be a lot more can can help you be a lot more successful when. It's a good sales tip. It it absolutely is. And if you go on and you say Ron Paul's good because, you know, he's going to stand against the New World Order or he's going to, you know, he's going to stop the drug war or he's going to pull the troops back from the 130 nations around the 130 plus nations on, uh, you know, more than 900 military bases. I don't know. That number seems to be a moving target um, around the world and, you know, save us money and he's going to stick by the Constitution. Whatever it is you claim that uh, that Ron Paul's going to do. That's likely because you're picking one issue, not the issue that that individual has um, that is important to them. So you you know what a, a you know the sales process is is you're going to ask questions, you're going to find out what's important to them, um, and you know once you've you know sort of built the uh, the presentation at that point, and hopefully they ask you, well, what's the solution? Um, because you can you know you can show them the hopelessness of voting for any of those other four guys, and then they can ask you, well, what's the solution? You can say voting for Ron Paul. If, if Once they've asked you, then they've made you the expert, and then you can answer. Or at some point, barring that, you can uh, just say, well, you know, let's, you, you could address their questions and say how Ron Paul would uh, respond in those circumstances. Yeah, it, it, the, the, the reality of the situation we're in as a country is, is very hard for a majority of the population to understand because they're, they're bombarded by false misinformation all the time. Sure. So if you try to, yeah, it, it makes a lot more sense to help people understand the, the fundamental, to, to understand why, you know, people, you can tell people all you want to, but they, they might not understand the underlying causes. They might not have an understanding of economic, especially with Ron Paul. When I first started listening to him, he's, he's so, so much smarter than the average person economically that sometimes what he says can go right over your head. So I think we need to work harder on just asking questions, finding out, what people don't understand and helping them to understand what they don't and hopefully direct them to the right conclusion. Plus, what do, also, what do people want, right? I mean, the uh, the idea about one of the ideas about sales is you want people to realize that they want what you want them to want, essentially. That uh, uh, so, so find out what it is that they want in life, and then if there's a way that liberty can provide that to them, then that would be the, the answer to, the, you know, to, uh, to, to helping show them how they can get what they want through the ideas of liberty as opposed to maybe what they used to believe that the government Government is the solution uh, to their problems. So again, you don't exactly. get to that point without asking questions. Uh, you have to ask them what what it is that they want uh, before you can give them a good answer. Yeah, and that's about it for tonight. Really, we're we're all on the same team, and most Americans want freedom, and and most Americans want liberty. They just have so much information they don't realize they they some still believe they have it in our current condition. No doubt about it. Thanks, uh, Chris, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. You know, there's some great resources that the advocates for self-government have on this topic. I mean, essentially, the advocates is a sales organization. They give you tools. I mean, Mark, when you're you've done sales for a long time, you know, when you're in sales, you've got to have tools. So, if you are a salesperson for radio, you might want to have a presentation that uh, you've got for your radio stations to familiarize the client with uh, what it is that you're offering. Sure, one sheet. Uh, well, one sheet, as they call it. Yes, in the business. And uh, so, you know, every every business has tools, and the advocates for self government have tools that you can use to improve your communication skills. Uh, well, before you go on. And- one sheet's an important uh, term because you don't want to overburden people with information um, initially either. You, you know what it's like when you get an email that's you know how uh, three hundred lines of text long. You don't read it. Too long. Didn't read. Right. Yeah. But if it's three lines of text long, you're much more likely to read it. 
yeah, keeping it simple is certainly important. And these are communications techniques that that need to be learned and practiced. And I can say that I'm no expert at it all after you know a decade of of uh, practicing. Maybe I'm I'm better than I was a decade ago. At least I hope I am. Uh, but I I've learned from these advocates uh, texts, and they've got good stuff. Uh, stuff written by Mary Ruard, who's one of my favorite authors. She wrote Healing Our World, but she's also been writing uh, short answers to tough questions, tough liberty oriented yeah. questions. Uh, she's been writing that as a column for years, and she's taken some of those short answers to the tough questions and published books through the Advocates for Self Government. Uh, there they've got books about uh, persuasive tactics. Uh, things like you know what they might call j- verbal jujitsu, you know, where essentially you turn around the person's question uh, back on them, sort of. I mean, it's hard for me to get into a real detailed explanation as to what these things are, and I might be a little rusty myself. But they actually put one into uh, they they put what used to be a great cassette tape, uh, I guess lecture series back in the 1990s into a book. Uh, the Secrets of Libertarian Persuasion, which I highly recommend. I mean, it's got all kinds of different techniques and suggestions as to how better communicate these ideas. And they all for, are focused around the basic sales concepts that uh, the gentleman was mentioning there about keeping it simple, ans- you know, asking questions and, and, and you know, not talking more than the other person. Uh, one of the old sales adages is if you are doing most of the talking, you're losing. It's true. So, yeah, I, I think uh, rec- not recently, but uh, the day of the primary here in New Hampshire, or the day before, I don't recall which one, but uh, I picked up uh, Allie from the airport and we stopped and talked to a, a person at a convenience store on the way, and she didn't have any idea who she was going to vote for, and there was all this, you know, there was in here in New Hampshire, there's politics are, are crazy because it's the, the first primary, mm-hmm. first uh, of the nation, first in the nation, and all that sort of stuff. So people do pay attention. And for her not to know who she was going to vote for, it seemed like a good opportunity. I personally just, uh, you know, I didn't. I knew I wouldn't have long to talk to her. I knew I, I didn't have. Uh, she had, you know, customers, other people to take care of. Mm. So I just basically, uh, I went with the seed method, and I basically said something like, "Oh, I, I definitely want to see the end, end to the, uh, the wars and the killing." And it seems to me that Ron Paul is the only one who's really going to do something about it. So he's, he's the person that I support. I basically left it there. And the the idea, you know, the seed planted is that the the anti-war sentiment was uh, strongest with this individual, as far as that I, uh, from the research that I had done, as I had said. Right, and and clear, clearly she knows enough that she can probably Google Ron Paul to learn more. But it's also important, even if if it's like on a less, if we're not talking about Ron Paul, because Ron Paul is not going to be around forever. In fact, right. I know JJ, you're working on a campaign to address what's coming after Ron Paul. Sure, um, and we'll talk about that more as uh, as time goes on. Uh, but because Ron Paul's not going to be around forever, if you're looking at just an issue and you still don't have a whole lot of time, it's nice to leave them with uh, some way that they can learn more, right? So maybe a little handout, a little card, or something uh, that they can take, and then later on they can dig in a little bit further onto the issue if if they want to. Yep. Uh, so good suggestions. Eight five five four fifty free. And by the by the way, the Advocates for Self Government is theadvocates.org is their website. Theadvocates.org. Lots of great uh, texts and audios and useful information that can help you better communicate the ideas of liberty to others. Because isn't that what we want? We want to win hearts and minds and change people over and bring them to the idea that if they want to be free, as many people do, they have to allow others to be free. That's the secret. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. In every age, a technology is created that upends the foundations of society. The wheel, the printing press 
the internet. Now, in a world sliding into financial chaos, a new technology is changing the way monetary systems work around the world. It is called Bitcoin. Bitcoin is a new form of money, controlled not by banks, governments, or corporations, but through mutual commerce between free individuals. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.com. This is Free Talk Live. Dial, uh, dial in toll-free here, 855-453, the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-855-450-3733. Join us online at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features that we have waiting for you there, including listening options, broadband, mid-band, narrowband streams, all there, three of them, different sizes for different internet connections, radio stations, over 100 of them, AM and FM band, carrying the show throughout the week at various different times in various different places across the country, satellite listening options, including XM Satellite Radio, free-to-air band KU, uh, the free-to-air KU band channel, the webcam, the listen lines, Delay to call from any phone that can dial long distance. Go and get tuned in over at listen.freetalklive.com. Jurisdictionary.com is a course for people who don't have attorneys, who are, you know, filing pro se. In order to be able to, you know, win, you need to know the procedures, whether it's uh, how to make courtroom objections, uh, causes of actions, make motions, get hearings. Um, this advanced lawsuit procedure, case-winning pro se tactic uh, called jurisdictionary will help you do it. Until you know all these rules, you're fighting in the dark. It works for plaintiffs or defendants in civil or criminal matters in state or federal courts. As a matter of fact, courts around the world that use the English common law system costs less than an hour with any good attorney, and the four-CD course is so easy the average eighth grader can learn it in a weekend. You can have the jurisdictionary course immediately. You have instant online access uh, once you buy the four-CD course. They'll send it to you in the mail, of course, um, you know, but you have online access. It's jurisdictionary.com. Go over there. Check out all the free items they have for you. They've got forms. They've got uh, a flowchart, uh, newsletters, legal dictionary, videos, and, of course, the course. When you buy the course, jurisdictionary.com, remember to use the pull-down menu when you check out to let them know you heard it from Free Talk Live. It's jurisdictionary.com. All right. So once again, 855-450-FREE. That is uh, the toll-free number here. And you can bring up whatever you want. That's the point of this program. We've been talking about some criminal justice-relating issues here tonight, uh, the war on drugs, the prison system, and how unnecessary it all is. Of course, if you work for the prison system and you build prisons for a living, then you probably think the war on drugs is quite the boon because it's funneling more uh, peaceful people, more warm bodies your direction, and of course you are required to build more prisons to house them all as uh, the U.S., becomes and has been the most imprisoning place in the world, if I'm not mistaken. No, by a good margin. Yeah. Uh, more so than even China. And we're talking about raw numbers, not per populace, correct? That's right. Right. Just straight out. Even though there's more people in China, uh, there's more people physically in jails here in the U.S. than there are over there. So keep that in mind. Now, there's one of the things that uh, there's a factor that is putting a lot of people behind these bars, and that is mandatory minimum sentences. And, J.J., you had a story that uh, is kind of a shocker when it comes to one of the creators of the mandatory minimums. That's right. This story comes from GlobalToronto.com. The war on drugs has failed, U.S. officials tell Harper Canadian politicians. An attorney who helped U.S. politicians write mandatory minimum sentencing laws during the 1980s has a warning for Canadian parliamentarians. Imposing long jail terms for minor drug offenses has been a mistake in the U.S. and won't work in Canada, said Eric E. Sterling, 
who once served as counsel to the U.S. House Judiciary Committee. When you start going down this road of building more prisons and sending more people away for long periods of time, and you convince yourself that this is going to deter people, you've made a colossal mistake, mm. said Sterling, who now uh, who is now president of the Maryland-based Criminal Justice Policy Foundation. Quote, we have learned the hard way that long sentences are not deterring people from selling drugs when their profits are so great. Well, he, he didn't learn the hard way. I doubt he spent much time in prison. That's right. Uh, but all that said, at least he's been able to, again, like Pat Robertson, uh, change his mind on this issue. One of the architects of the tyranny that we currently are facing in the form of mandatory minimum sentences. Well, we all pay for this. I mean, the, the prison industrial complex is uh, remarkably expensive, and one has to ask what one is getting out of it. The United States has uh, more le- prisons, less than five percent of the world's population, but twenty-five percent of more than um, almost twenty-five percent of the world's prisoners. Egads! Wow. So the story goes on. Sterling is one of twenty-eight current and former law enforcement officials in the U.S. who have written to Canadian senators as well as Prime Minister Stephen Harper and his premiers. They take issue with Bill C-10, known as Safe Streets and Communities Act. Oh, boy. Which includes... How, could, how can you vote against the Safe Streets yeah. and Communities who Act? Doesn't, who doesn't want safe streets? Well, I don't want safe streets. <laughs> which, which includes mandatory minimum sentences for drug offenses and is currently being studied in the Senate, uh, the Canadian Senate. Wow. How fortunate they must be to have reached the year 2012 and not have mandatory minimums in Canada right. thus far. Yeah, I, I totally agree. This is a terrible idea to, to bring these into effect. The letter written by the organization called Law Enforcement Against Prohibition is the latest salvo in the dispute over Bill C-10, as well as the debate over legalization of marijuana. Earlier this month, four former B.C. attorneys, British Columbia attorneys, uh, attorneys general made similar arguments. So the the attorney generals of British Columbia saying marijuana prohibition is fueling gang wars and clogging the courts. This week, Sean Atlow, national chief for the Assembly of First Nations criticized the bill, telling a Senate committee that intervention and rehabilitation, not incarceration, is the right approach for uh, Aboriginal peoples. So, uh, basically... Indians? Uh, they're, they're, yeah, I guess Canadian pro- Indians. Probably a lot more um, Inuits yeah, and that kind of thing. Exactly. Uh, you know, it, it's true where Native Americans are in the United States that they're you know incarcerated at a disproportionately large percent, too. I think that's with anybody who, who doesn't have white skin, basically. Not... Um, Asians, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that's, that's not different. all Asians. There certainly are some. Okay. Um, so basically, this this story just goes on to, to uh, talk about the costly failures. Uh, in their letter, the law enforcement officials argue that mandatory minimum sentences have been costly failures in the U.S. and have led to greater organized crime and gang violence, corruption, and social decay. These policies have bankrupted state budgets as limited tax dollars pay to imprison nonviolent drug offenders at record rates instead of programs that can actually improve community safety. It's the same mentality that's behind the zero tolerance uh, yep. policies at the government schools. The mentality is that we shouldn't take each individual case into account. We should just have some blind ignorant, one-size-fits-all policy, and, and just, you know, well, just slather it all over the place. And when you find somebody who's guilty, make a, um, you know, m- make an example out of them. Now, I love this terminology because it's become so ubiquitous in America. Let's, you, you we're making an example. Yeah. Oh, wait a second. The idea is justice. And 
Justice cannot be served if you are making an example of someone because you're not sentencing me. You're sentencing a whole bunch of people who may come behind me. Or presuming that there are even people paying attention. I mean, exactly. You could get another follow up story here, Mark. You've got a 17 year old who has been sentenced to a lifetime driving ban. That's crazy now, right this, there. It's not a mandatory minimum. It's just the judge doing whatever he can, you know, can get away with, essentially. And did, you haven't gotten into the details yet, but this, the, the purpose was to so-called send a message in that Every case, time. right? Yep. Make an example. Send a message. When you hear those terms, understand that the sentence is disproportionately high. It, it is not a just sentence. It is an unjust sentence. How, how many of you, when you were teenagers, were following the court dockets? <laughs> not I, no. Who the hell is going to be seeing this example? I mean, okay, yeah, he's going to tell some of his friends, I got banned for yeah. life for driving. Most people don't even say anything when the, then something happens because they're too embarrassed. If, if someone's gone right. to jail, a relative or whoever, they're not going to mention anything about it. It's embarrassing. So what example are you setting besides the example for whatever few amount of people might happen to be paying attention to that issue at that moment in time? But you can tell me more about it here in a moment, Mark. 855-450-FREE, 17 years old, facing a lifetime driving ban. We'll come back with more. Your thoughts are welcome. Bring up anything. 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. Become a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 per month. You'll get perks and you'll help us free more minds worldwide. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. It's 855-453. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-855-450-3733. You can join us on our website over at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site free, so enjoy those. Here with you tonight, it's Ian. JJ. And Mark. Now, JJ, you've been uh, busy uh, with uh, various projects of of video nature over the last, I don't know, eight months or so of your life, ever since uh, launching the Free Keen TV uh, video project here in in Keene, New Hampshire. Of course, those that have listened to the show for a while know that uh, we're all here in the Keene area because of the Free State Project, liberty-minded people coming to New Hampshire, all across New Hampshire. Over a thousand are already here. And uh, many of the the activism forms that uh, that people have been involved in since moving as part of the Free State Project have been media. And we've seen an awful lot of it coming out of the Keene area. And you uh, have been spearheading Free Keene TV. You've been behind uh, the efforts. I mean, really, the, the guy putting it all together you've got a great crew that has been working with you without them obviously it wouldn't be happening but you're uh, you're also you know become you become quite proficient at uh you know utilizing video uh, tools in in the last several months and and it's always been a dream of yours is what you said to me is uh, doing video editing and directing and producing and things like that's right yeah ever since i was a child i I think steven spielberg was one of my uh favorites uh i don't know if you'd say idols but you know a person i looked up to and so i liked that and so I, I've created a, a place on YouTube for uh, a play, a people to see my work, and it's, call, it's called Starfall Media. If you search Starfall Media on YouTube, one, That's one word, word for Starfall. One word for Starfall, and you'll come to my demo reels. It'll show you what I've done. It'll link to all the TV, uh, live TV uh, advertisements I've made, graphics, uh, animated graphics, stuff like that. And so I'm, I'm just looking to expand my uh, video 
I guess, presence and do more work. Maybe do something that pays you because uh, you know doing the activist video stuff isn't necessarily the most profitable of venues right out the gate. Although I understand that Dave Ridley uh, from RidleyReport.com has managed to make uh, an income off of doing activist videos. Dave is is an outstanding and he's certainly been an inspiration for uh, moving here, not not only moving here, but also doing the video work I'm doing now. And so he continues to put out uh, consistent content. But so, I'm I'm look at looking at focusing more on high end, polished media content like mm-hmm. polished advertising, um, not really the work that is is just oh we just need this t- tossed together and and put out there. That stuff's really easy to do. I, I don't mind doing it. But what I'm looking to do is 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 stuff that is that is more of the high end variety, the more um, I guess exceptional type. If you want a you know a really glossy advertisement that that's really sharp and uh relates your message really well and then, then i'm the person you want to talk to and folks can reach out to you through your youtube channel that's right i hope to offer more ways to, to uh, reach me in the, in the future but i think the youtube channel should service uh, all those sorts of needs right now all right so uh folks can also they can email you through uh through freekeen correct you got an address there? I, th- I think uh, if you send an email to tv at freekeen.com you'll that'll get, work for you too yeah, yeah that'll work for me exactly so uh, different different ways for you to get in touch with JJ, but you can take a look at some of his demos over at Starfall Media, the YouTube channel. That's right. Search that on YouTube and you'll find it there. Uh, all right, so uh, 855-450-FREE, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line as we uh, continue. Mark, you've got news about a 17-year-old who has been banned from driving for life. That's right, from uh, CBS News. Who did he kill? Connecticut. <laughs> no one. What? I I don't believe so. Yeah, it was a serious accident. Um they were, you know, some some people were injured. Let me see. Let's let's read the the facts here before I go rattling off. I read this yesterday. Um a Rhode Island judge says he imposed a lifetime driving ban on a 17-year-old boy after a serious car accident because he wanted to send a message mm. about reckless driving. Judge William whatever uh Guglietta uh, revoked Lyle Topa's license for the rest of his life on Tuesday in connection with the October 23rd crash in Charlestown. Topa and three other uh, Charahoe High School students were injured when their car crashed into a tree. One passenger Hmm. was in a coma for weeks. Topa was driving with a suspended license at the time of the accident, according to the... That's not enough, apparently. To, To know that your friend is in a coma... And to know that you've hurt people and that that all lies on you for driving irresponsibly. You probably should pay for uh, the hospital, be responsible for the hospital bills in some way, shape or form. You probably should. But, you know, there's also insurance, which hopefully would help with that to some extent. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to to know that you've caused this sort of damage in other people's personal lives, to have that weigh upon you, that's not punishment enough, according to this judge. No, no, let's make sure that he can never take care of himself in the future as well, that he always has to depend right. on uh, the charity of others being able to give him rides to different places so he can you know, live the rest of his life out. Crazy. There are places where one can get along without a driver's license, uh, you know, met- metros, that there kind of are, thing. There are, but it's not easy, it's not easy in a no. lot of places. Also, he could just move, you know, immigrate to a different country. Um, that's another thing that he could do. But this is... You know, un- you, this is silly as far as harshness goes. Well, maybe think, he likes where he was born, you know? You think a 17-year-old knows the difference between life and one year? I mean, come on. Uh, when If you're trying to send messages to 17-year-olds, the loss of your license for a year is going to be a huge punishment. It's it's not really going to be much different than the loss of your li- license for life. Well, th- that and plenty of people drive without a license. Sure. And then they, of course, run, run that fearful gambit 
of traveling through the city and hoping that the cops don't see you and recognize you and that that whole stressful phenomenon of driving without your paperwork being in order. I'm sure everybody's had that at one point or another. And it's, you know... (laughs) For one, if you got a reasonable sentence in this circumstance, because this is an unjust sentence, well, if you're trying to send a message, then you're not you're not judging someone justly. You're not judging them for the right. crime. So if there should be restitution, and think that's about that. think about this for a second. If I was you know if I was in a circumstance where I was given one year's suspension, maybe I'd try to stick with my uh, penalty, and that way in a year I can get my license back and go on with life and you know learn whatever I've learned from it. But if I've been given the lifetime, then how am I going to change my behavior? Really, I'm going to try to drive because you pretty much have to drive to live in the United States. I'm going to continue to. Stay sneak into cars and get away with it and get away with it and get away with it until I don't, at which point I'm caught. And then it's going to make, you know, you get a couple of driving on suspendeds or even one. Go to jail in New Hampshire for that. You get very well. You're going to go to jail. And when you ask for your license back, who knows how long, I mean, you can, he can still petition the course for his li- well, court it, for his it, license back. You guys had talked about the, the damage to his life as far as traveling somewhere, but there are, there are a lot of jobs out there that, for one, they ask for your valid driver's license. I know I, I recently went to a uh, temp agency to find out if they could uh, find any uh, openings for myself, and one of the things they asked, uh, can you drive? Do you have your own car? Mm-hmm. Do you have a valid license? Do you have any history of uh, auto accidents? You know, it's things like that, and a lot of jobs out there, you need to have a license. They want to know that you can you can cart yourself to the job and do it on a timely manner. Well, right, because if you're going to be relying on somebody else for a ride, there's a you know, good chance that at some point in the near future that someone else is going to be sick or they're going to not be available, they're going to yep. be out of town or whatever, and then you're not showing up to work and they need you to be there on time. Because being somewhere on time, they say that's 80% of success. I would, I would agree. So, you know, I mean, you've got another instance here where some judge is sending a message and, mm-hmm. you know, these, these sentences are just getting out of hand. Bigger and more draconian sentences aren't working. How is this going to work for this individual? It seems to me that all it's going to do is cause uh, cause him, rather than having him stick with the penalty, and this is voluntary, largely, I mean, he's gonna, he's gonna, he can drive if he wants to drive. So you have to give a sentence that he can actually stick with and see the end of the light of day there. Mm-hmm. Because if he's given, uh, you know, a lifetime, then he, he, you know, gets a couple of suspended driving on suspended. He's never going to be able to get the court, get his license back from the court. What about uh, instead of you know banning him from driving? What if he were sentenced to, to uh, volunteer or, or you know, one one offering would be to volunteer at a rehabilitation clinic where people have gotten in car accidents. Go and, around and talk to high school students yeah. in their, you know, the life management skills class or whatever about the dangers of or, drunk, uh, you know, driving and whatever. Sure. Right. That would that would probably have more effect as far as sending a message is Absolutely. concerned right. than this judge just, you know, coming up with this bench decision and issuing an order. I mean, if you're actually going to a class full of people, there are probably more people in that 30-person class that are going to get the message than... You know, any of them reading the newspaper? What? How many teens are going to pick up the newspaper, or for that matter, even go to the local newspaper's website? Right. right. The sentence is just dumb and poorly thought out. I mean, if the judge told uh, told Lyle, "Hey, it's a twenty year suspension in your license, but you could knock a year off for every kid, every uh, life management class you go and speak at." I mean, that's twenty classes. That's a lot of kids that he'd be touching. More. More on the way here. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. 
Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. Talk live. You can bring up anything you want. Dial in toll free. Even in these remaining moments, enough time for your thoughts. 855 450 free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. 1 855 450 3733. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com and enjoy the various features that you'll find there. Uh, once again, that's freetalklive.com. There's some news, uh, let's see here, out of Austin, where apparently. This is from, by the way, uh, Infowars.com, where apparently uniformed troops from the Texas State Guard have been used for the purposes of crowd control during a kite festival in Austin this past weekend, with video showing the troops ordering parents and children to board school buses at the end of the event. Disturbing footage of the troops controlling the movement of attendees was filmed by uh, Infowars reporters, in addition to a police helicopter circling above. However, the website of the... uh, Zilker Kite Festival attempted to downplay the guards' involvement as though it were completely normal. Under the headline of What Are Soldiers Doing at the Kite Festival, the website states that the troops were there to, quote, help manage the crowds during bus loading and unloading at parking lots and around the event. According to the Texas State Guards website, the Texas State Guards mission and branch uh, as a branch of the Texas military forces is to provide mission-ready military forces to assist state and local authorities in times of state emergencies with homeland security and community service through defense support to civil authorities. No information concerning the uh, TXSG being presented at the Kite Festival appears on the website, and the use of the military to oversee domestic roles normally ascribed to police officers is a sign of America's deepening decline into a state of de facto martial law. Now, of course, when you look at this story on its face... You it's know, a kite festival. Right, what's the big deal? Right. What's the big deal? Hey, it's, go fly a kite. They're just helping people... Somebody's got to give orders. Somebody's got to direct traffic. They're just helping people get on school buses, helping people get to their cars, uh, parking tr- you know, cars, etc. What's the big but deal? Under Posse Comitatus, this wouldn't have been legal, right? What do you mean? Well, Posse Comitatus was this hundred and something year uh, rule that uh, they... You know, law that they tossed out under the Bush administration that said that essentially troops couldn't be... Used um, on American soil. Now, I never really understood because, like in the streets, obviously they're on American soil well, on the bases. National and- Guard was used during times of emergency for things, and this is a this is a National Guard troop. So I don't really understand how it would work in the circumstance, but it's disturbing. So. You're saying it's disturbing that uh, that they're at the kite festival to you because most it's people disturbing look at that, that they're and- giving orders. Yeah. Um, you know, like if they were flopping sandbags down to prevent a uh, a flood or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. But- that's historically where you see these folks being being used. But you know, I assume they're armed um, and they're there's clearly playing a policing role. Think- you were in the guard, yes. correct? Yes, I was, and we never had any of this stuff. This is all post nine eleven stuff. When I was in the guard. Listen, the only time we ever actually went out into the public was for the parades. And they loved us because we ran over a couch with a tank. I mean, people love to see that stuff. <laughs> I mean, literally, they'd bring out a couch. They'd stop the uh, – I was on a howitzer, 155 howitzer, which is basically a tank with a really big gun. Yeah, not as much armor as a tank. Not, not quite as much armor as a tank. It's well armored, but it's, it's yeah. aluminum armor, so it's not, it's not as good. But Get anyway, off the couch, join the reserves. Yeah, and so they'd, you know, we'd stop by some house. They'd bring out a couch. We'd run it over. Everyone would cheer, and 
That would be the end of it. Yeah. Who doesn't, who doesn't want to that see a couch extent- run over by a tank? I yeah, mean, I, I do. That was the extent of our public interaction. And now what this is is just preparing people to see a constant presence. That's how I feel about it. And and I don't I mean for one it's a kite festival not not a concert with uh you know some some heavy metal band and they're encouraging everyone to go out and riot it's a kite festival with parents and kids and you're gonna send troops out to direct their movements and uh, to watch over them I mean this is ridiculous no it's not like they were uh, toting machine guns necessarily but they were dressed in their fatigues uh, they have kind of these uh, orange vests over top of the fatigues reflective mm-hmm. orange. And uh, I think you're absolutely right that that's what this is about. It's about acclimating people to seeing troops at regular occasions like, oh, there's our troops. They're here and they're protecting us. And troops too, though, to acclimate the troops to being around people people and telling people what to do and and just providing the uh, this sort of security apparatus theater, if you will, and – and it's just sort of getting them prepared. Oh yeah, yeah, we we do this stuff every once in a while where we go out and we put people on buses. I mean, it's no so big it won't thing. be a big deal when they get called in to you know put people on buses to take them to you know as they did in uh, Hurricane Katrina. I don't know if the troops were involved in this part, but we know they did go around confiscating guns from people. Uh, but you know, load people up onto buses and take them to the Superdome or wherever it was they ended up going to to, to pack a bunch of humans into the same place where all manner of chaos ensued. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Superdome was. <laughs> Was super crazy there for a few days. Right. Well, think so about prefer- it. prepping them for this. Yeah, and think about it this way too, though. It's like if you send the troops out to a kite festival, and you know, okay, they're they're doing their thing, and now you send them out to a protest. Well, now things are amped up. You know, it's mm-hmm. not they're not flying kites, and it's not all lovey dovey anymore. So now they've been like, well, we we had to do this at the kite festival, and now these people are crazy. So now we can really turn the screws. Right. I mean, it's no problem at the kite festival when everyone's getting on the buses, you tell them to get on. But at the protest, people are going to say no. Right. And, you know, people who deal with the uh, with the public and don't have a public service interest, and by that I mean, uh, you know, customer service interest, as a salesperson. Like they're not elected? Well, no. Like, there's no financial. Uh, I mean, there's no, no financial incentive to be nice. Yeah. As a business owner, I tend to be nice to my customers because that's the way you sell product. Uh, whereas as they're a. They're not going to come back otherwise right whereas a government employee that send out to direct traffic you don't have the customer service aspect to it you should but you don't it's not the the financial incentive isn't there your cynicism tends to grow in that area because when you're dealing with the public sorry to say there's always going to be problems some people are going to keep on asking you for the bathroom there's a giant sign that says bathroom over there quit asking me or whatever you're going to grow you're going to grow short-tempered and cynical and then obviously that's as they're you know taken out to the public more and more often and then when they're asked, "Hey, we need to we need to quell this riot," so you're going to have to shoot on you're going to have to shoot some American citizens. Which, by the way, the young man in the video that we saw during the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina fully admitted that he was ready to do. He didn't want to do it, but by golly, if that was his job, he was going to do if it. He if he was ordered, that's yeah. what he would do. If it came down to shooting an American, that's what he would do. Yeah, and then you know, let the court sort it out later or whatever. You know, sure, if there's anything to sort out, right? Exactly. And these people aren't responsible either. So it's I haven't been able to find that video. Um, it's been some time since I've seen that one where the the, the young the, the young soldier was saying that he was. Uh, oh, upset. I found it the other day just by looking for it. Just search for uh, Katrina gun, gun confiscations. Okay, that'll pull it up. Uh, and you can do that on YouTube. Eight five five four fifty free. The toll free number here. A little bit more from the piece over at uh, Poor Richards Hyphen Blog dot Blogspot dot com uh, as linked to I think over at Infowars. 
But anyway, in 2008, it was announced that uh, U.S. troops returning from duty in Iraq would be carrying out homeland patrols in America for the purposes of helping with so-called civil unrest and crowd control. In recent years, budget cuts have also contributed to the increasing use of military assets uh, to conduct routine law enforcement actions. Military police were used to detain people at the Kentucky, uh, Kentucky Derby horse race in 2009. In April of the same year, 400 Massachusetts National Guardsmen from the support battalion uh, were deployed at the Boston Marathon to so-called maintain order. I remember another story, just as an aside, out of uh, Alabama during some natural disaster where they brought out the troops to occupy the streets and uh, direct traffic and things like that. There's one in Kansas where that uh, twister went through that, that mm-hmm. was going on, too. They were doing gun confiscations there again, too. We have documented innumerable examples of posse comitatus being violated with uniformed troops increasingly It's being not violated. It doesn't exist anymore. To True. conduct routine traffic stops and provide security at public events across the nation. The process of loading children onto buses for the purposes of forced relocation is also a scenario that has cropped up time and time again during exercises focused around responding to terror attacks and national emergencies. During the Operation Mountain Guardian terrorism exercise undertaken in Denver last year, Colorado authorities issued a news advisory that detailed how children would be processed in the event of a terror attack by being taken to Denver's Mile High Stadium. Well, that sounds like a great idea. Let's bring everybody together into the same place after a terror strike has has uh, has happened because, boy, that wouldn't be a tempting target for someone who wanted to do a follow-up strike or anything. Right. Not, or what about the mob mentality? These people are scared. They're in a panic mode because something has happened near them that rarely, if ever, happens. So let's gather them all together so we can really... Whip that fear into a, a nice frenzy. Right. Well, it sounds to me like the terrorists would be um, you know, incentivized to do sort of a false flag terrorist attack so everybody gets uh, congregated oh, in one God. area, and then they really hit them. Now you're really thinking, Mark, hopefully no terrorists are listening to uh, that particular suggestion <laughs> because that's brilliant. I mean, it really is a brilliant tactic. If you know where they're going to gather people together. Somebody write the movie. And there are only so many places where they can gather these people together. If you've seen the plans already, well, in the event of a terrorist strike, we will gather everyone at the, the <laughs> local sports stadium. signs on the side of the road. You know, but, tune yeah. into this channel to hear. I think they could solve all these problems by just surrounding the stadium with bearcats. And <laughs> just put a bearcat right there. It'll save you all. All right, that is it for tonight, but we'll be back tomorrow. You can join us online in the meantime over at freetalklive.com. And don't forget to check out JJ's YouTube channel, uh, which is Starfall Media. Search for Starfall Media. That's not the name of the YouTube channel. No, it's So not. you have to search for Starfall as one word. Yeah. All right, we'll see you uh, tomorrow online in the meantime. Freetalklive.com. Available now, four new songs from Raja Mojo. Raja Mojo. That's R-A-J-A-M-O-J-O. Raja Mojo. today at Amazon, iTunes, Napster, and at a discount at cdbaby.com.